0: Tonight, there's only one person on planet Earth distinguished enough to open WrestleMania Goes
1: Hollywood. International Man of Intrigue, the biggest name with a smaller than average frame. Now, hold up, hold up. Voice over guy. You gonna do me like that? I just would read what's on page. Yeah, okay, you know what? You're lucky you just a voice, or else you'll get the big boot, little leg drop. Star of WrestleMania goes Hollywood. Cold open, ladies and gentlemen. Kevin Hart. Look, as a master storyteller, I'm here to tell you all the story. A once upon a time in Hollywood story. The stuff of legend. With legends. He
0: landed. Unbelievable. It is the night legacies are born.
2: To rest forever. The streak
0: is over. You still WrestleMania. You've done something special. The greatest live event in entertainment. What a time to be
1: alive. This is the story of when the greatest show in live entertainment took over Tinseltown. Everybody's going Hollywood.
0: I cannot wait.
1: And I mean everybody.
2: I feel the need. The need for speed. I can't stop thinking about
0: WrestleMania.
1: We got star power.
0: Austin Theory versus John Cena.
1: Action and adventure. (laughs) Romance. I don't mind if I do. You know what else we got, what else you need? We got room for more. Tomorrow night, it doesn't get any bigger than this. Welcome world to WrestleMania goes Hollywood.
0: And now, Snickers and WWE 2K23 present the global entertainment spectacular,
2: Wrestlemania.
3: Snoop's and gold WWE title was nice, though.
2: It was. It was very nice. And he I had a lovely... For- a- a lovely reverse to it as well, which I did not know what it was, but it just looked nice. It was a nice, nice belt. Better than all the other belts I've got, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> just, just standard belts.
4: Then there's a video Pinky. advertising.
2: What, what kind of belts do you have? <laughs> just
4: stand, standard belts, mate.
2: Yeah. Belts. Mm. cool buckles? no. <laughs> no. I don't think I've ever met a less cool buckle man in, in my life.
4: There's no such thing as cool when you're talking about buckles, for fuck's sake. It's a buckle. It's, there's nothing cool about it. Um, basically, a, co- a cool buckle is like saying John Cena played a cool guy on the screen. Like, they're just not true. It doesn't work.
3: Tweet, tweet us pictures of your cool buckles, peeps.
4: <laughs> I mean, I know Tom, for example, wore a Captain America buckle for very many years. And that's about as cool as I've seen. That's um,
2: a cool and buckle. That,
4: and that wasn't cool. It's still a belt <laughs> buckle. Doesn't matter what it's of, it's a belt buckle for fuck's <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Random Wrestling Review, Uh, I'm Ben Spindler and this is episode 125 of the Random Wrestling Review, or at least the main episodes of the Random Wrestling Review. We have got today Wrestlemania 39 Night 1, we begin our coverage of last year's Wrestlemania, a show that I had not watched before we covered it for the pod in these two weeks. I'm really uh, interested to see what everyone thinks and uh, I was... Going into my almost expectations straight away. Very, very excited.
2: Oh do part. it, do it. Yeah, oh.
4: <laughs> well I would do, but first of all I've got to introduce YouTube cuts, don't I? So first of all uh, start with
2: old man Sam Kerry. How you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm good, mate. I'm intrigued to hear your expectations. Or what was it Tom tried to peddle? F- fears in orgasms or something, I don't know, yeah, on, Absolutely shit, yeah, 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 I
4: can't remember myself now, I can't, yeah, fears and recriminations, I don't know, Matt, <laughs> uh, Matt Roberts is also here with us as well, how are you doing, mate?
3: I'm good, pleasure to be your gentleman, especially as this week we're going Hollywood!
4: Yes,
2: yes, my little drums, little drums! <laughs>
3: how excited today!
4: Yeah, he was, his, he was patting his dick, so they were to be little drums, didn't they? <laughs> Yeah, sorry, sorry. Oh, I don't know what's wrong with me today. I do <laughs> just uh just kicking back. Just kicking back. I haven't had any drink. Um, but I don't know. Who knows what's going on. Anyway. Yeah, so today we're covering WrestleMania 39 night one and my expectations. So I was not sure what to expect, although I was very aware that the reputation of the main event preceded it. So one of the episodes that has now come out after, before this episode is our top one hundred wrestlers of all time episode. And within that one of the matches that scored very highly during 2023 was this main event of WrestleMania 39 Night One, the tag team match between Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn and the Uzo. So I was un- was under the impression that was going to be good. Couldn't remember anything else that was on the show. Didn't watch it at the time, as I say. And I, I don't know, it was really weird. I had quite a lot of, I was quite into WWE in the build up to WrestleMania 39 and quite into it afterwards. But for whatever reason, I just didn't watch it. I think, I think what happened is, as, and I think I explained this a couple of weeks ago that it it happened, it's on a Saturday night and the Sunday night. I probably was busy the Sunday, so I couldn't watch it. And then by the time I got around to Sunday evening, I either didn't have enough time or already knew the results. So it, didn't, it was like, well, what's the point? And then, of course, night two happened. And I thought, well, I can't watch night two without watching night one. And, it, and then it just never happened. And I just thought, well, what's the point? I know all the results. I know what happened. And, of course, you know, there's all the controversy that followed the, the main event of WrestleMania 39 night two, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, at length next time. But, yeah, so for whatever reason, never watched it. So, yeah, really looking forward to it. Really up for it. Matt, what were your expectations?
3: Really high. Is the short answer for this one? Um, I remember it very well. I remember at the time. I, I definitely remember enjoying the show. I, I, got, I couldn't remember as much. I was actually surprised by how much I couldn't remember for this night, as compared to night two. Like there was a lot of like sort of adverts for for matches for night two. I was I was thinking was this night? So I was like, oh shit! So I was like, so what happened? You know, on this show.
2: Um, but yeah, overall, definitely looking forward to this one. Oh man. Well, I don't to bring the mood down, but. I So from memory, watching this last year, I thought it was very meh, and that was my expectation for this coming in. The match that you mentioned, Tinky, I, w- I was very interested to go back and watch it, because I remember watching it, and then seeing reaction to it, and being like, oh, okay, maybe I'm the cunt. Probably, usually I. Us. <laughs> I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, cause I, I, yeah, it didn't hit for me at the time. Like, and it didn't only not hit for me, it really didn't hit, like a surprising amount, because I like all four people in the match. And when I first watched it, I was just like, I do not care. One jot about what is going on, but I had hit Bloodline Fatigue uh, this thing as well, because I, they topped out at the Rumble. I thought they really topped out of the Rumble. They had Elimination Chamber, and that was good. But as I mentioned in our group chat, I felt like kind of missed a little bit, purely because they had SmackDown the night before. So I think that that whole returning hero, which was the whole story for that, it wasn't Sami Zayn was never winning that match. Excellent match and they got me towards the end. But I feel like they peaked at Rumble, then they had that and it was just dipping down. And by this point I was just like, oh, I don't care anymore. There's been there's been more turns and Wayne's sleep on a dance floor by this point. And I thought, Yeah, whatever. That's a joke that some people will get and others this not
4: I only get it because he was on Celebrity Master Chef that one year and uh oh, hi. Became He's a legend. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So cool, okay old man That sounds good, Matt What? Uh, let's go to you in terms of your talking point Let's start with you There was a number of ones that I was thinking of for this one But I ended up settling on the,
3: There's a specific point around this But the the match in particular that I want to focus on Is Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul There is a specific point that I want to get to that but where I'll, do, I'll let you go with the uh, If you want to do the, the whole match First thing Ben, just say who won uh, I, well,
2: I'll tell you what This is getting out of hand thinking last episode you
3: had rockstar dictating the rules and now Matt's doing it helping the show show along
4: (laughs) I don't know anyway so Seth Rollins yes defeated Logan Paul in just over 16 minutes the end came when Rollins countered a springboard punch off the ropes with a super kick and then hit a curb stomp and got the pin Matt what did you want to tell us about this
3: so and this is a point that I think that could even be used and applied to well to, to, to the current sort of version of Seth Rollins as well. And it's quite simply, who is Seth Rollins? What is he about? What is his motivation? Like I said, in short, who the fuck is Seth Rollins? Uh, other than, you know, the... The the you know the, the theme song that I in fact actually let, let me start with his theme song. This is just me kind of picking on his overall character because f- for me the, it, this was really on display in in a big big way to, during this match. But like I said, the, the whole orchestra thing you know with the you know for his entrance and the you know the crowd sing along. Okay, I get why they keep that. The crowd seem to like it, but like they still have the burn it down you know in his you know sort of theme music as well. But what does that mean? <laughs> Well, what's that for? I mean, I know that was supposed to be part of his, one of his old characters. The fuck has that got to do with him now? You know, he, he comes out in whatever giant Christmas wrapping slash dress, whatever the hell he was wearing. Like, what is that about? And it's for me, it all just adds up to, I don't know who he is. And, and for me, that, that does have a bit of an impact on the match. and not only that, but, I, you know, I remember Michael Cole still referring to him as the architect at one point. And it, it, it's just so confusing. And, and then you've got the opposite in that, in that you've got Logan Paul, who's this just smarmy, sleazy social media prick, you know, just kind of playing that up a bit and you know exactly who he is, what he's about. And it's just, it, it's so bizarre. Now, that being said, <laughs> I did want to get all that negativity out of the way because despite that, I must admit, good God, was this an excellent match. And normally would I say it was excellent, but I remember extremely liking it at the time. And I liked it even more than this time round. I thought it was even better. Like I said, Logan Paul is so good. Just his role—he's fantastic. He does some really great in-ring stuff. The addition of KSI dressed in a prime outfit—I thought was absolutely genius and just on point. There were some tremendous near falls in this, despite you know the the character and the gimmick as a whole. I mean, at the very least, I do have to agree that in-ring Seth is pretty damn good when he you know when when it's time for the big match. He's very good. Um, so I'll certainly say that. But as a whole, I just thought. This match was just an absolutely fantastic piece of work, and and you know, fuck it, I'm just going to go straight there right now. This was my match of the night, and fuck it, I'm going to go there as well. Logan Paul is my MVP of the night because of how just an amazing prick he is. Mm,
2: interesting,
4: I, I didn't did expect that match that match of the night. Gotta be honest,
2: an amazing prick. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Matt said that to a few men down
4: the <laughs> years. How dare you. Um, on the so, Seth Rollins thing, I mean, first of all, you've basically repeated what I said about him in terms of my him being my what's what's the what's the year? I can't remember what it is now. The, the figure hate, of figure, hate. Figure of hate for the year last year. Last year though, figure of hate. I feel like I'm and, to and, the party to be fair. <laughs> yeah, but I I mean obviously I totally agree because I uh, I mean it's less 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 confusing for me. I don't find it confusing. I just find it nonsense. There is nothing. There is no character. He's just, it's very interesting. I've seen a lot of stuff online about it this year, this week, actually, Seth Rollins and his character. And the idea that I've seen sort of put forward by a lot of people is that Seth Rollins is kind of like now, almost like the company guy, the guy who stands Mm -hmm. up for WWE. Like, in fact, this, this feud with Logan Paul was based on his, him not liking the fact that Logan Paul was coming in and not building the WWE and not kind of wanting to kind of give anything back to the industry which i get and i and i think there's been kind of that's linked now to like the stuff with the rock it's happening as we speak with cody and everything you know him wanting to stand up for cody because the rocks come in and just take him one of the top spots and all that and and also you could argue that's you know linked to his reaction of cm punk's return to the company like all these things you could argue are in defense of the company and i think that can work to an extent like i think if you think about WCW during the NWO years, like Sting would have was a protector of the company, if you like, or others would have been in that position, Diamond Dallas Page, for example, and they got very popular off the back of it. Same goes for maybe ECW, maybe it's like Tommy Dreamer or someone was kind of like a protector of the company. And so it's almost like that's the role that they have. Put onto him, but I don't believe that's really what WWE have done or anybody, including Seth Rollins, has come up with. I just think that's been some quite creative people who watch WWE coming up with a thread for themselves to explain the lack of what Seth Rollins actually is. Uh, And I do agree. I don't really know what it is, but as I said, I don't think it's confusing. I just think it's because I don't think there's anything there. I don't think they're really trying to make him anything. They revel, I think, a little bit. In the convenience of him being able to play heel or babyface as and when they see fit. And I think that could, I think that makes sense because wrestling booking is not the same as it was 25 years ago. It is hard now to come up with new scenarios if you aren't able to switch people back and forth all the time. So if you've got someone who does that for you in and of themselves, that can kind of work quite well to fill to, to prevent you having to do it to everybody, you just have one person who kind of switches back and forth. But what what this does quite handily for me, and given this is against Logan Paul, is that I'm going to go to my figure of hate for 2024. Which, as I said, I kind of, I think I may have said this on the pod previously, is Hangman Page. And the reason it works really well is that basically what I want to say is that Logan Paul is the wrestler Hangman Page wishes he could be. <laughs> Logan Paul is excellent. I mean, he's unbelievably good. But what does it say for a guy like Hangman Page if someone could come along and master exactly the same moveset as well as he does within like three matches basically doesn't say an awful lot for him does it so and not only that but logan paul is far better at all the other stuff all the stuff of character facials the rest of it he's, he's an, a phenomenal worker and, and and that word that word does actually work for logan paul he is working the crowd he is working them into feeling something to just making you dislike him and he's incredibly dislikable and probably in real life is an incredibly dislikable figure but when you when you're able to lean on that real life persona and then come up with this, which is the ultimate purpose of a heel, works really well. So I have no problem with you calling Logan Paul the MVP of the night. Wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't say it's my match tonight, but it is very, very good. They they did a really good job. Actually, strangely, Seth Rollins, who was my figure of hate in twenty twenty three, since the beginning of this year, has actually started to go up in my estimation a little bit more. This match was one reason. But also I really liked him on the um the press the press conference thing with oh. with Cody and the Rock and that. Like I didn't think I don't think anyone came out of that very well, but I but there was something he, about he it. <laughs> no i i agree i don't think anyone did i don't th- i think all of them came out less than what they did going in but i liked him I, I like not from a oh he did that really well i actually was behind him like i want i was i when he stepped up for cody i was like oh i like that like, really av- like i really yeah, have a like i'm emotionally more connected to seth rollins as a character now than i have been for years and years and years so as i said i don't think anyone came out of that press conference particularly well if i'm honest but that wasn't really the point. The point was I liked him as a consequence of what he did, or I liked his character as a consequence of what the character did. Yeah, he's, he's gone through a little bit of a redemption with me, Seth Rollins, over the last few months, but not to any great extent. Oh, man, what did you think of everything?
2: Just to touch on current events, depending on when you listen to this, <laughs> uh, WrestleMania 40 press conference current events. Seth Rollins, if CM Punk hadn't have been injured, would now be a heel, mm, probably. which I, I think... Probably speaks volumes about in in a positive and a negative. I think and listening to you talk, then Tinky, he is very flippable because there is very little there. And I'm very much in your camp, Tinky, that what I've seen him do probably pretty much since Survivor Series. So I tend to watch the Ples and then I'll catch up on the odd bit. But everything I've seen him do since. Survivor Series has been at least B-plus, I'd say, on everything. I don't know how the match would have been because we didn't really get a gauge of how good Punk was in the Rumble because he got injured quite early on. But that program would have been phenomenal because Punk was calling him out for all of the faults that people criticise him for. Like There's the promo that Punk gives and he mentions Rollins and the crowd starts singing his song. Sorry, his... Battle him, as Corey Graves oh, refers to I it. Cringe <laughs> when <I get> that. <laughs> but yeah, like Punk goes, go oh, on, carry on, because that's all he is. Or like, that's all he's got. And I was like, oh, that's great. And I felt like that would have brought something up. Anyway, that's been and gone now, because Punk's made of paper, unfortunately. Let's go back to the very start. Logan Paul's entrance. So <laughs> for those who don't know, it comes in on a zipline. I remember me and Tommy laughed about this after we'd watched this, it was like the Monday after or something, how long he has to like play for time as they lift him up. And then he goes down the zip line really slowly. This is no Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 12. This is more like, like your nan going down the stairs in terms of how fast he moves. Of stair sta- lift. <laughs> yeah. Lovely old John, <laughs> but not the stair lift when it goes wrong in Gremlins. That's different. And the old lady goes out the window. Seth Rollins, I thought his entrance was actually pretty good. I know it's crap because it is, well, to Punk's point, it's just his character. But I quite liked it. Big Jeff Jarrett vibes with what he's wearing as he comes out. He's wearing a thing around his neck and then the little, like, strained top. But Get he off. takes it off immediately as he's walking down to the ring. I'm like, Mate, I wonder if he was representing for Jeff. Which I was like, that's not going to put you over in Tinky's books at all that. <laughs> Logan Paul yawning as Seth Rollins gets in the ring. And just having a chat with his mates as he was walking to the ring. Which, I'll be honest, I find a bit annoying. Because he was just laughing and joking. And I was like, come on, mate. Like, the yawning bit I can get. But, like, just be a bit where. But apart from that, I mean, he hits every spot possible, do not he? Logan Paul, he is... He's a better worker than Rollins. He's a better worker, I think, than probably 80% of people who do it full-time. And in the last episode, we kind of touched on part-timers coming in and being as good, if not better, than a lot of people. And he gets this match out of Rollins, I think, which is incredible. And he gets him through it for the point that you made, Matt, in that his facials, his physicality is just everything. He's just like, if you wanted to... Yeah, if you wanted to make a rest there, or if you wanted to make a heel, you'd just be like, you see this cunt over here, do that, and you'll absolutely nail it. I thought this was really, really good, very good indeed. I feel like it, like I just touched on it, really did touch on the weaknesses of Rollins, and I think the commentary did as well, because Graves talks about the battle hymn, and he then, when Seth Rollins starts working over a body part, which he does for all of about nine seconds. Corey Greaves says "There's a re- that's the reason that he's called the Architect. And I was like, what is that? And then it got me onto this big rant that you went on, Matt, in my own head. I was just like, what is he? What is he? But the stuff with KSI is fantastic. I feel like it's decent to that point. And I feel like that kicks it into overdrive because the crowd, I think, are then into it actually on the side of Rollins as well. I thought this was tremendous. The standing leap I need to mention by Logan Paul to the top rope is I mean it's athleticism I will never know. <laughs> like like I genuinely I think I would struggle to go up two stairs. And to see someone do that from a standing sump so, is incredible. Yeah, just very good stuff. Not much of the night. No MVPs for me in this match. Sorry, Matt. But I...
3: You you did remind me of something there then, just one thing that I completely forgot about. And I do I think this is probably gonna be unpopular actually, but Michael Cole annoyed the shit out of me in this match. And I gotta be honest, throughout the entire show, and for me personally, I've this is one of the worst performances of Michael Cole I can ever remember. He irritated the shit out of me start to end of the show. Like I can't remember the exact line. It was, it was like, bye-bye KSI or some shit like that. He was just so irritating. Again, like I said, I know not everybody's going to like that, but he was awful.
2: This is Michael Cole's 22nd WrestleMania. So you put some fucking respect on that <laughs> and That's what I knew probably wouldn't get down well. He was awful.
4: I don't remember anything specifically about Michael Cole during the course of the show, other than in the main event. So we'll talk about that in a bit later on. Oh, man. What did you What did you want to pull out from this show?
2: Let's go, Ray and Dominic Mysterio. So, the open with the promo video for Premium Plus subscribers. Um, sorry, Peacock Premium Plus subscribers, or whatever they call them. What have they call us? Fucking marks. We've got the WWE Network in the UK. The video is unreal. It's gotta be. I think I, the program is very good. I actually kept. This story I kept up with week on week and it's just fantastic. Like, this was this was the making of Dominic Mysterio and I, I genuinely think he will be made for the next five or six years because of this programme because I think it invested people in it. It started at Clash of the Castle, which us three were at, and I remember the crowd reaction to that was phenomenal. We mentioned it the other week and then from there they were so careful in planning it and the stuff with Dominic's mother, with Angie and Aaliyah's sister, the interactions with them was phenomenal. They do an excellent job of hiding the fact that the match isn't actually confirmed until like a, and is like eight days before Mania, but it really, really worked because the way that it's done is tremendous because Ray is properly sticking up for his wife and his daughter, wonderful stuff. Wonderful stuff. Dominic's entrance. So he comes out like he's just been released from prison and he's handcuffed and it's just absolutely, absolutely tremendous. Ray comes out with Snoop Dogg in a low rider, which I really, really liked. But I was a bit like, mate, your fucking your son's in there and he's been mugging you off. He's been mugging your wife off, he's been mugging your daughter off. But he then flips. Like when he's out of the car, he goes up on the stage and then he flips and he's like, right, this is fucking go time now. I thought that was really, very well done. And Snoop Dogg, what a legend. Just loving life. Just holding that title bow up. He's just going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, go on, Snoop. And then we get into the uh, get into the match. Did you want to do the roundup, Tinky, or should I carry on?
4: <clears throat> it's a 14 and a half minute match. Uh, which is won by Ray when he hits a 619 and a frog splash for the win.
2: Thank you, Tingy. You lead this ship so well. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, what I don't want to do is is cut you off as you start, because I'll get into it now. I mean, this is fucking tremendous. This is my match of the night, because this... I don't know what it was. I cannot explain it. So I watched this show in two sittings. So I watched up until the six women tag match, which is the match before this. And then I watched this match and I cannot explain why, but there were parts of it that made me feel like I felt genuine emotion watching it. There's part of it is at the start, just before they start, they're facing off against each other and the camera pans around to Aaliyah and Angie who are in the front row. And Angie cannot keep the smile off her face. Like she cannot sell it. She is just looking up. She's got like her son. And her husband are there and she must be like, fucking hell, this is incredible. I I cannot believe this is happening. Aaliyah, she's fucking selling it. She looks pissed right off. I was like, yeah, go on, girl. They just have a really excellently worked match. You've got the outspanking by Ray, which is reasonably early in the match. The, The crowd are into this anyway, but that really, really wakes the crowd up. You've then got Dom going over to Aaliyah and Angie and he goes to take a swig of Aaliyah's drink and then throws it in her face, which apparently was not planned. He did it completely off the hoof and apparently her jumping the barricade was not planned. She said she was just like it was just an immediate reaction because she was just like I'm really, she was really genuinely fucked off that he'd done it. It was kind of like that sibling rivalry type deal. The Judgment Day come out for a bit, and that was a bit strange, I thought. But then you get the incredible pop when uh, that Latino World Order come out. There's a fantastic dive by Santos Escobar through the ropes to Damien Priest that looks like he could probably would have killed me if I was on either end of that, I think. And then you've got Damien Priest just just before the dive absolutely kills Wilde. Who's Wild? I don't know who this wild person is. Joaquin,
4: Joaquin Wild, is it?
2: Yeah. And then uh, Penelope Cruz as well is out there. <laughs> and then you've got the bit with the chain. So I remember when I first watched this, I saw Damien Priest put his blazer down. And it's a really odd thing, but he does it so naturally because he's like flexing. And then he's like, it's a bit tight and he takes it off. And he carries on flexing. And you know something's happening with that blazer. There's something in there. But I thought they did a wonderful job of it. Bad Bunny getting involved. I could hear Tom ejaculate from my flat, which is about a mile and a half from his house. And I thought this was just a really, really amazing end to a tremendous story. And you get the two families at the end. You get Ray, Aaliyah and Angie having a hug in the ring. And then you have Don with his new family, which is Finn Balor. And Damian Priest on the other, looking all sad and upset. This is tremendous. It don't get any better than this for me in terms of wrestling. This, if you're going to do this type of deal and you're going to have a straight wrestling match, well, wrestling match, but like not a street fight or anything, you can't get any better than this, I don't think. And uh Dominic is my MVP.
4: So, Joaquin Wild, mm-hmm. uh, Matt, Matt, you might know, you might know who this is. I think mm-hmm. he is. Former TNA X Division wrestler Zema Ion. <laughs> is he really? Yeah, apparently so. Bloody
2: hell! No, I never knew that. Wow, there I remember go. it. I mean, so, I can't believe it. I can't believe he's Zima <laughs> Ion.
4: <laughs> no, I just, I, that's why I specifically said. <laughs> for this.
2: I'll, I mean, look, I,
4: I think the story is fantastic. I, the, in particular, in the video, the bit I love is when Ray finally snaps, mm. and it's just because it's absolutely right that he should not want to face fight his own son. It's it's mm. absolutely right that this should be impossible for him to choose to do. And it's absolutely right that they they didn't they, they it took something almost quite extreme where he would went after his own mother for Ray to then say no right that's it I'm I'm going to do it. And I and I really like that. I think that's brilliant. Plus this is one of those matches which most fans can almost predict from about December, November, December time was going to mm. happen at WrestleMania. So they didn't need to announce it. They never, they ne- they just could they, could, they could leave it till like eight <laughs> days before and it didn't matter because you could guess it was going to happen anyway for a long, long time. And so I just thought all of that was was really well done. The fact that the story last from that Clash of the Castle show in September right the way through to WrestleMania and they didn't even, they even put, like Ray didn't even put his hands on Dominic during that period, despite the turn happening at September. That's Excellent. That's just really, really good storytelling. Something you just do not see from WWE in general. Like this is, if this had been in the hands of, of Vince, the turn would have happened at the Rumble, and Rey Mysterio would have to have been on t- off television for a month and a half in order to mm-hmm. get it to WrestleMania. But that it was in somebody else's hands meant that they could do something completely different, really take their time with it, but still have Rey Mysterio on screen, starting up a new, you know, the re- restarting the, the LWO of all the the guys we just mentioned and st- and having Dominic do all of his stuff as well with the Judgment Day and kind of re- really establishing that heel character. I just I think they really deserve a lot of credit for the storytelling. The match itself was really good. I really did like the match. I thought it was really, you know, the crowd were really up for it right from the beginning super heel heat on Dominic. And Rey Mysterio as popular possibly as he's ever been, like, you know, just really, really, really popular at this point. Yeah, I I thought it was really great. I really, really enjoyed it. Do you know what? I'm going to do something that I don't really do and haven't done before.
3: This was my second best match of the night. (laughs) And just behind MVP of Logan Paul... It was Dominic? <laughs> so, in all fairness, I can absolutely see why you went there. I was, I was very close to making the same choices. I, I did love this. I must say. I mean, for me, part of the the thing that I, I mean, I say that I didn't like. it. It's not that I didn't like it because I so did prefer the Seth and Logan match. This suffered ever so slightly for me. I almost wish that this was on the next night instead. I think for me it would have held up better. But that's a very, very minor sort of pick i mean other than that you've got the birth of prison dom which is oh good, you know we're, we're talking about logan paul from one amazing prick to another <laughs> to dirty dom it was just so so good but what i found interesting as well is when he came up with the mask on as well like that looked right on him as well so i even thought that God forbid he goes back to being a babyface at some point, which presumably he probably will. And if they were to say, you know, all of a sudden, you know, now he's got raised permission or he's he's earned to wear the, you know, the right to wear the mask or something like that, I think he's he's got legs with that as well. That that could be amazing. So he's got so many different directions he can go in. It's incredible. But but hopefully he does say a heal a while because God, he is so good at it. The, the one thing I felt really interested of this as well is particularly, you know. Ray Mysterio has been involved in you know in WWE for years and he, you know he's, he's like he's won the world title at WrestleMania he's had some you know some good matches and that but for me I think this was probably his defining WrestleMania and at this stage of the game with how old he is with you know broken shattered knees and all that wow like that should be commended on its own I mean well done that's that's incredible. The story, you know, the, like you said earlier, the, the video to it was incredible to introduce it. It was such a great story. You know, the the, the presence of the family at Ringside throwing the drink into his sister's face. Ah, oh, God, you amazing prick. It was, it was so good. It was
4: twice in one night.
3: Oh, I know. It was so good. It was just genius and tell his mother to shut up. Oh, God, it was so good. And then, you know, the presence of the Judgment Day and LWO fighting it out was amazing. The the match was great. And, God, I've got to mention this. I can't, I don't even know what you would call it. I can't remember, like, what the move was. It was almost like Dom was going for a powerbomb to Ray and then just threw him over, dropped his face on on the bottom turnbuckle. That looked disgusting. Disgustingly painful, but God, I'm assuming it was safe, you know, he seemed to be fine afterwards, but my god, did that look fucking terrifying? So they <laughs> played the both of them for that. You know, little things in the match like Dom hitting the 619, doing the Eddie Guerrero, so you know, sort of shoulder trademarks, the three amigos, just excellent. Um, Bad Bunny getting involved at the end. I I, I don't still don't quite get the whole Bad Bunny phenomenon, but Apparently he's very popular, so that that, that was oh, all really right, cool. Nan. <laughs> well, like they said, he's a like at one point they said global superstar, and I I generally and I was thinking, is he though? I mean, I, I could he be is. wrong with this. I I I don't know many people. Like, if I were to say like just general like outside of wrestling, you know, friends I know, if I said to them, do you know Bad Bunny? I'm not expecting them to say yes, but uh, we'll leave that experiment for another time. <laughs> But, yeah, it's just that this was excellent. Like I said, this was very, very good. Very easily could have been the match of the night for me. Just slightly behind. Uh, and, god oh God, for the love of God, please, at some point, can Logan, Paul and Dominic form a tag team? Because, fuck, you want to talk about the nuclear heat that the pair, and I even have their tag team name, the Amazing Pricks. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Which is another, another one. Yeah, there's,
4: there's four. technically that's two more um i mean i think i think with with regards to bad bunny whether he's a global superstar or not i think what's happened matt is you just reach the age when you're too old to know what's going on i was (laughs) And, and, and i say that as being nearly well at least seven eight years older than you so i'm it's not like i'm 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 insulting you and putting you know, yeah. shine on myself like I reached that point quite a long time ago it just <laughs> appears that you finally reached it and you've not you're no longer it's, uh, it's aware of what's 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 I in think with the Billie Eilish and and all that and all that jazz you know is That's right. I mean, But I mean I guess I guess also you've got to you can't discount you know, Bad Bunny's appeal globally in terms of Latino worlds you know which is a huge part of the world and which I'm sure is a far bigger star there than Billie Eilish or Flippin The Weeknd or however n- any number of major pop stars that you could name. At this time in in the world, so yeah, I think global probably maybe he's not so big in this country. I think that's probably true. I don't think he is so big in this country, but um, most of the world is pretty big.
2: I think so it's pretty much Tom in the UK. Yeah, I, I mean that's probably fair.
4: Yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to cover one last point again about this match, I guess, which is really um, another one of those. And there's a few of them on this show actually, but another one of those. How much would this have meant to but to both? Ray Mysterio Aww, yeah. and Dominic Mysterio, just outside of the story and everything, like, just like for him to be, as you say, Ray Mysterio being at this point in his career, still involved in super heated, super over stuff, but for it now to be in this show against his own son in front of a humongous crowd, where his son is now getting over, like, in a massive, massive way, mm-hmm. like that that must be a very proud moment for him and you know really great moment for Dominic as well like just uh yeah just phenomenal I really also agree totally with what you said about you know in three four years time hopefully it's three four years time not a year's time they manage to work an angle where Dom uh, finally comes to the aid of his father or something in some case and then they kind of reunite and and, and Ray gives him the mask and then Ray retires, maybe and Dominic kind of takes on the mantle from there that that would work really well because you're also you're not doing the obvious thing, which is just shoehorning him straight into being Rey Mysterio's successor. You give him the years as a heel that get people get people to hate him for a while so that they can really enjoy him being a baby face when it finally comes. So but I do hope they take the time and they really drag that out. You know, I don't want that happening at you know, WrestleMania 41,
2: for example. <laughs> Um, can I also give a big shout out to Cinemoji, who were the sponsors of this match—the <laughs> Cinnamon Emoji cereal, which is obviously another one. Of Ray Mysterio's brand partners, what a businessman! Mm.
4: Oh, hey, I've said before. I think he's a great businessman. And I think he also yeah. knows the business really well. And I think yeah. that's probably. I would. Wouldn't shock me at all if Ray Mysterio's got a huge influence over what the what Dominic does on screen and how he does yeah. it and and what he gets involved in and all the rest of it. Like it wouldn't even surprise me if Ray was his agent in some ways, mm. because he's just he knows what he's doing. So my talking point, I was going to use that match actually as a talking point but for a broader thing about this show which and it links to my MVP of the show. My MVP of the show is Triple H, Paul it. Oh. Because this I mean I'm going to give it away now but I think this show is phenomenal. I do. I think this show is absolutely it's just f- Absolutely bursting with quality all the way through. Um, And even when there's not a lot of quality on show, the two people wrestling are still or the more than two people wrestling are still in are still over with the crowd. There's still interest in them or the matches used in the right way to kind of break up the monotony of a a string of series uh, singles matches. And it's thanks to Triple H, because a lot of the key matches, Rey Mysterio versus Dominic, the main event, those two matches in particular have been built for ages. But on top of that, that, even one match that hasn't been built for ages, for example, the women's title match between Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair, hasn't been built for ages, but they draw upon what happened three years before and make it a part of the story. So it feels like it's been going on for ages. So it feels like it's been in motion for a long time. The match I'm going to talk about, though, is something that's not, I'm not impressed with because of the story, but I'm impressed with the way it was positioned on the show, which is the Fatal 4-Way tag team match, which was the second match of the night. It was Braun Strowman and Ricochet versus the Viking Raiders versus Alpha Academy versus the Street Profits. It went for eight 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 and a half minutes. And it uh, was one when Ricochet went for a dive into the ring and Dawkins got his knees up and then held Ricochet in place as Montez Ford came off the top rope with a splash um, with him still on Dawkins' knees and pinned him But it was positioned as a Wrestlemania showcase match And for want of a better word Matt, this is how we get everybody on the show match That's what it was, right? <laughs> but actually I loved the, the idea of calling it a Wrestlemania showcase There was something about it I was like, that's actually an imaginative way Of putting people on the show That you didn't that don't belong on the show, basically Because you've got nothing else better to do But you're almost saying to everybody Okay, look, we know that these guys don't Really aren't involved in anything WrestleMania worthy. So, we're going to explicitly say that and then, and therefore position it as look, he, they get an exhibition on WrestleMania. They've earned a, an exhibition match at WrestleMania. And I like that. I thought that was a perfectly reasonable way of positioning that this match that really meant nothing got on the show. And then they won a bloody good match as well a bloody good eight man tag match with some imagination. It wasn't your typical get four tag teams on a show. And nobody cares and they don't do anything. They worked quite hard to carve out little niches all the way through the match just to make people interested, just to keep people interested in in, in what they were seeing in front of them. And say nothing that was gonna like blow anybody's minds, nothing that was gonna make it like the most memorable thing going. But even this, the most throwaway of the matches on the show, arguably, was still a very entertaining slice of action. And again, I kind of looked at that show looked at this ma- this match. In conjunction with all the matches, the, the the big matches are Austin Theory versus John Cena, Seth Rollins versus Logan Paul, Rey Mysterio versus Dominic Mysterio, Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair, and then the tag team match. And that the tag team match is going to come last, so all those singles matches have to be broken up somehow, otherwise you're just going to get bored of just seeing singles matches. And that's what they've done, they've got the Fatal 4-Way tag match, the 6-Man tag match, in between those matches to make To make the thing varied, which I've gone on about many, many times, I like variety. I think a variety of types of matches are really important. And this was less of an important reason why Triple H is my MVP, because it wasn't quite as big a deal, for example, as the the storytelling behind Ray and Dominic. But it was just another example of where this this show really benefited from the, I guess you could say, nine months, I guess, maybe a bit less than that, seven or eight months of Triple H controlling creative from after SummerSlam 2022 right the way through to this year's Wrestlema- this WrestleMania. That was when Triple H effectively took over from Vince was in was in uh, September just after a SummerSlam. So, yeah, I, he's my MVP because I just I thought this was an excellent, excellent show. And it was excellent for a number of reasons. One of them was the storytelling, really long term stuff, but also then just the variety and this match and the way it was positioned being on the show gave it a excuse for being on the show. Yeah, I really liked it.
2: I thought this match was fan-fucking-tastic. So you've got a little bit of variety as well because Titus O'Neil on commentary and he is having the time of his life and he is bringing an energy that is needed because of everything that Tinky's just said. Like, if you're watching this at home, you're like, oh, give a fuck, do I? I don't care. Like, it doesn't mean anything. I'm going to go off. And then Titus's energy is just like, hur, hur, hur. <laughs> Bit of that, <laughs> bit of that. That was the only
4: reason he talked about Titus. He just wanted to yeah. do that again.
2: <laughs> but it's because he is so excited. He is the Pat McAfee for this show, but he's only in this match because he is so blown away. So I'm just going to run through some of these things. So he calls... Otis, big sweaty Otis. Then he tries to justify it. He always backtracks. And he's like, oh, he's just always sweaty and he's big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chad Gable does a rolling German suplex mm. to Braun Strowman yeah. that is one of the most extraordinary things I've ever seen in my life because the control for both of them is just incredible. Braun Strowman is like, I know he is significantly leaner. He is sensational. Yeah. I'm almost, so apart from this, I don't really see anything of him. I'm pretty gutted. He, he, was it his neck? He hurt or his knee? I can't remember.
3: I think it was his, his neck.
2: neck. Yeah. Uh, probably from doing this German, to be honest. That's the German suplex, not hands. Uh, <laughs> Ivor does a moonsault that's missed. Strowman does a splash off the top. to Ivor, there looks like a fish coming out of water. And then, drowning out of the water. I'm also not a big fan of it, but there's an incredible tower of Doom spot where someone is, he- I think it's Montez Ford is he- held up
4: yeah, So a delayed it vertical suplex. Yeah, a delayed like, vertical suplex, Tower of Doom is what I call it. Yeah,
2: crossbody suplex, shenanigan stuff. Yeah, Braun Strowman does his little like Strowman Express run around. Then he goes to again, Angelo Dawkins hits him. So for those that don't know, Angelo Dawkins used to play in a defensive line in American football. The crowd go fucking bananas for it. Then you've got the ricochet doing a sh- the ricochet. the ricochet doing a shooting star press to the outside that is absolutely insane there's a 450 on Dawkins for the finish by ricochet which then there's the splash this was eight guys and also Valhalla on the outside Sarah Logan who are all just like you know what you know what they view it as a showcase (laughs) and that's why I'm I'm really with Tinky and I think Titus does as well. I think he's like, you know what? We've all got a chance to kind of show off what we can do here. And I, th- I thought this was, if you're going to give me an eight-person tag match and give them eight and a half minutes on any show, if you can give me anything as high energy and as exciting as I found this, I'll be a happy man all day. Now then, <laughs> here
3: we go. Get, get yourselves comfortable. The idea of a WrestleMania exhibition... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Showcase Very very
2: different things
3: Showcase whatever (laughs) you want to call it Naff off Don't like it hate it How hard would it have been To say the winner of this match Gets a future tag team Title match Didn't even have to say at the next pay per view Didn't have to say the next show It could have been in five years time for all I care All they had to do was say The winner gets a future tag team title match
4: let me let me address that, Matt, because I I accept that. Could have they could have done that. I do accept that. I always prefer them not to run number one contenders matches. I find number one contenders matches tiresome, to be honest. I prefer that and they said this during commentary, by the way, that they say The winner of this match has a great case to be the next person to get a title shot. I much prefer that because that is absolutely how it works much more realistically in in any sport. You don't go, oh you definitely get a title shot if you win this. It's still got to work out. It's still got to work out. The, The schedule's still got to work out. Their injuries have still got to work out. So you say they've got a great chance of being the next contenders for the title. Also though, I don't see there being a problem with an exhibition match on WrestleMania when you call it an exhibition match. I the problem I have is the number of exhibition matches on WrestleMania that are exhibition matches but they pretend is a, about anything else. This wasn't this was them stating explicitly there's nothing riding on this necessarily. There's nothing obvious riding on it, but they get a chance to be at WrestleMania and show what they can do. And that's the the reason I really liked it was that probably for all the reasons you disliked it. I like the fact that they were like, you know what, we're not going to lie about this. We've got eight people that we want to put on the show. Let's just give you a chance to see them. And that's what they did.
3: And I to- I totally get that. But exactly like you said, for all the reasons you did like it, uh, of the reasons I'm using to, I, I said I disliked it. I- I'll use like UFC as my example. They'll regularly have number one contender fights. And I'm all for it. It's that- well, Not always. Not always, but most of the time. They will have number one contender fights, and for me, that's how it should be. It's you know they're saying this, you know these these are the guys. They'll get a future tag title shot. I felt that could have taken thirty seconds, and I felt that I just feel that's the better way to do it. Because for me, I'm got to be perfectly honest. If you say this is a WrestleMania exhibition or this is a WrestleMania showcase, that's my cue to think. Okay, if I'm watching it live, that's go to the toilet, go get a drink match. And that just immediately but,
4: kills it. But they don't mind that. The thing is, they are not. They are shooting for that with some matches. They want that's to sign. Terrible. Post. That's Terrible. Why?
3: Awful. Why? If you're going to say to the people, "By the way, this is the time to go take a piss." That's awful. No, it's not. Why? That
4: doesn't make any sense. Why it's is that want, awful?
3: You want people glued to the thing the entire way through and on the end of their
4: seats. I don't agree. It's a four-hour show, man. You've got to give them a chance to have a break and just chill out. And I also think that we
3: have segments. Friggin' the Miz and you know
4: Hornstead and shit. That, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what he's there maybe. for. But that's also there for that. But this is a four-hour, uh, a four-hour show. You've got loads of matches that go, you know, fifteen minutes. Like it's fine. They're not saying you have to go to the toilet here. They're just saying here's a chance to do so. They're also saying that they this isn't that important. Even if they put the number one contendership tag on it, right? It still wouldn't have been that important. People still would have gone to the toilet. So I don't have, a, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that they are building this show to be as good as it can be, and as part of that, they are saying, we know we need to let our audience kick back and not necessarily pay attention and that's fine there's never a problem with that they've always done that but the only difference here is that they're being honest about it they're just saying that you can take it or leave it but we wanted to give you the chance these guys a chance to be on the show and then what they do is get the crowd massively into it so it doesn't even matter that it was a showcase because they really really enjoy what they see
3: completely disagree i I think at any point if if you're basically advertising they may as well hold up a sign and say bathroom break i think that's a terrible idea that that's why you have and in the past we've seen you know when you have the the legends come back to do a really silly little segment those are the ones that they put on for think okay now go take your break the idea of them doing it in the middle of a match i i just think is an awful idea
4: i just feel like you're being really unrealistic like a boxing card i know mma is a little bit different right but a boxing card nobody cares about anything until you get to the main matches like oh
3: you said it oh you said it I fucking hate that. I hate that mentality. With a passion. It,
4: it might be. It might not be what you how you watch it. But that's the truth. The that entire, is what happens. They, they only put on one match. Then people are there for the entire card. Same Top thing goes for. Spotter. Same thing goes for a support act at a gig. Same thing. Okay. The vast majority of the audience are there to see the headline act. They don't care about the. Not everybody yeah. cares about the support act That does not to say that you shouldn't have one. It's not to say that some people won't enjoy it. It's not to say that it shouldn't be on. Like When I go to see a gig, I stand there and watch the support act, but I'm not really paying that much attention. And if they lose me within the first 30 seconds, they lose me because I'm not there to see them. It's that simple. Now, again, Matt, that might not be how you view these things, but most people. People do I think you're absolutely wrong You think most people go to a gig and want to watch The support act all the I way through and pay them full attention
3: I think the gig analogy is different No you're it's not the different is
4: Just put to- on the main act like you just you're, said you, You're talking Wrestlemania
3: The biggest show of the year. You want people sat on their ass watching the entire card glued. You don't want you don't want to give the chance to people to say by the way this
4: is shit go go take a dump. That's not what they're saying. They're not that's saying exactly this is shit. What they're That's saying. not what they're saying. They're saying they're saying that you don't have to pay attention to this because that, it isn't the most terrible. thing they're not saying shit though, are they?
3: okay, again, being slightly over the top about it, but saying you don't have to pay attention—that's a terrible thing to say. I to don't your agree. Audience.
4: I don't agree. It's a two. It's not just a four-hour show. It's a two-day show it's 48 hours in total that's you can't they've split it into two days <laughs> very few people will sit down and watch eight hours worth of entertainment without taking a, taking their not even taking a break but taking their foot off the gas in terms of concentration Like, it just doesn't happen it's just not realistic
3: eight hours i'll grant you again that's why they have a break that's why they have segments that's why four they hours, have Four habits. hours
4: is the same we discussed this a few weeks back like there are very few things in entertainment the last four hours very, very few things. Films were far better when they lasted 90 minutes, not three hours like they do now. Four hours is way too much as it is, okay? So there's nothing wrong if you're going to have to have four hours having th- something that isn't like you must, you must invest in this thing.
3: I, again, completely disagree. I just think absolutely <laughs> crazy. Again, talk to me where you're coming from, but absolutely crazy. All that aside, this is probably the best Throw away tag team match <laughs> that I've ever seen. As, as as far as a showcase or go to the toilet match, this was pretty fucking good <laughs> because they give every single person in it an opportunity to shine. Braun Strowman had his moment, Ricochet had his mm-hmm. moment, Ivar, whatever the other one <laughs> 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 is, <laughs> Eric. Whatever is. the other one in Bucket Raiders <laughs> is called. You know, they, they all did. Chad Gable, everybody in this played their part. And they played it well. Prop's got to ricochet for quite possibly the tallest shooting star, <laughs> springboard shooting star press I've ever seen. I swear to God he was able to touch the ceiling. The Street Profits were great. That is, again, this, this was really good. I'm just totally down on the idea of it being an ex- exhibition or anything like that. And wish they'd call this a number one contender match. That, for me, would have made this or near perfect.
2: So, I know I've heard YouTube bloody go around it, like a, like a pair of bloody teenagers talking football. From my point of view, if this is a number one contenders match, it's nothing like his fun, because I think there is that seriousness to it. I do, I do take your point, Matt. Is it the best phrase that they could have come up with? Probably not. But let's label it as something rather than just... Like um, WrestleMania 29 as a six-person tag match, which is the Shield against I think it's uh, it was it the fucking New Age Outlaws and Kane. I think like I'd much rather that's WrestleMania 30. Yeah, they, yeah, that's what I said, mate. 20,
4: 29 is Seamus, <laughs> Big Show and Orton, I think, or something
2: like that. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'd rather have this as a WrestleMania showcase than either of those where they're trying to make out that there's some fucking story behind it. Because that's the thing, they don't try and shoehorn anything in. So there's no there's no need for a feud. And I agree with you to a certain extent, Matt. I don't think that anyone, sh- anything should be put on the card and necessarily portrayed as I I don't think it's portrayed as a piss match, but we have all watched a heck of a lot of wrestling where there have been two female wrestlers who have had a three minute match that has been exactly that. So I think just because it's eight people that you might like in this match doesn't make it any more persons call it out for being what you've construed it as than Kelly Kelly versus Michelle McCall. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's
4: true. I, I, anyway, I liked I like that that's how they positioned it. I think maybe also I think it's because it means that they are specifically telling you that this is an exhibition match and therefore anything they don't call an exhibition match is by definition not an exhibition match. So on Raw the next night, when they have to put on, I don't know, a tag team match between the Viking Raiders and, I don't know, some other tag team that no one cares about, it isn't seen as an exhibition match because it's not been called an exhibition match, whereas this one pretty much explicitly has. But it's okay because it's WrestleMania, so you want to see everybody on the show.
2: I also, in sorry, I'm going to labour this point now. So I said... um that there's a difference between a showcase and an exhibition (laughs) so for me a showcase is just like the showcase showdown in
4: a generation game
2: yeah yeah sorry the price is right so where you're just showing something whereas an exhibition is like there's involvement like you're exhibiting something lovely old job go on English
4: anyway doesn't matter too much it
2: was it was more reflective of a broader well, you, point well you see that now the bloody this is just have 15 minutes of you two bloody flirting yeah, well, exactly <laughs> and i can edit it down
4: so they won't necessarily need to hear it all will they basically uh, they, what i'll do is i'll edit it down to make words. sure that my point comes across better and uh. i win the argument it. it's really that simple <laughs> that's, um, that's what he gets from being the
3: boss he gets to be a dick
4: <laughs> totally so I, we've, got, we've covered our talking points And that's all, which is quite rare We don't need to get through a whole first hour doing that But we are going to go to break now And we'll be back and we've got a lot of very important stuff Still to cover, so we'll see you then
0: Welcome to Wrestlemania Tonight, my friend Snoop D-O-W-G, Snoop Dogg the dog father of Wrestlemania and I are the perfect tag team to kick off Wrestlemania goes Hollywood because believe it or not we've got a lot in common Snoop is a multi-platinum recording artist the king of hip-hop and I was in Wrestlemania the musical Snoop has been in over 80 movies and I am the star of the Marine 3, 4, 5, and 6. Snoop is a WWE Golden Champion, and I am a two-time Grand Slam Champion.
2: Okay, so what you're saying is we, we the same. Yep, exactly the same. Well, check it out, dog. It's not about these champions tonight, it's more about
1: these champions tonight. You
0: are absolutely correct. Tonight, you will see some of the best of the best in a sold out SoFi Stadium. SoFi, Los Angeles, Hollywood, worldwide. Are you ready? Tonight, you will see Charlotte Flair defend the SmackDown Women's Championship against Rhea Ripley. The Usos will defend the WWE Tag Team Championships against Kevin Owens. Man, man. Watch this one, Snoop. Watch this no, one. Jimmy. And Sammy Zane! Yeah! And that is just a small taste of how awesome this show is going to be. But let's stop talking and let's get down to the action. Snoop, can you get us to the action? Let's fire it up!
4: a Right, welcome back to the show. Now me and Matt have put uh, I put our uh, differences aside to continue the show because there was a chance there wasn't going to happen. Um, we're calm now. Yeah, much we're all calm, calm again. Who knows whether we'll stay that way as the show <laughs> unfolds. And the show on the night began with Becky G, sister of Gina, uh, introduced to sing America the Beautiful. Uh, a, I don't know. I found this to be a bit naff. Was the, there was a, naff, backing, a sa- naff sounding backing track,
2: which was nice. Mm.
4: Um, and I didn't think she was that. She didn't have a particularly good night either, I didn't think. But that was just mm. my perspective.
2: So I know who Becky G is.
4: Is she the sister of Bobby?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know of her because she was on RuPaul's Drag Race UK. And there's a drag queen called Geneva Carr. So Becky G turns up, is at the preview at the end of an episode. And Geneva Cards goes, it's Becky motherfucking G. And I'm just like, I turned to my fiance, I was like, who's Becky G? <laughs> and now I know. it. I knew all along. <laughs> That's, That's what I have about. <laughs> yeah, well, because it was only about two weeks ago I watched that, and I was like, then I started watching this. I was like, well, Becky G Wonder fans. Becky motherfucking G. <laughs> yeah. And they do, um for those who know RuPaul's Drag Race, at the end they do a lip sync for your life, so it's two people who are out for illumination, but they did a Becky G song. Didn't think much of it.
4: <laughs> cool. I haven't seen yeah, RuPaul's Drag Race works, UK or otherwise. So okay.
2: it's uh it's it was the US one, come on mate. Although the UK one was very good this year. So yeah, that's that's my life. Very oh, good stuff.
4: <laughs> this is the negative side of being either married or, or long term hooked up is you end up mm. watching shows that you never would have dreamt you'd ever watch ever before in your life
2: well so i, so I was a bit like Ugh. and then we watched it and i've realized now that i just like a competition show <laughs> like that's what i like as well i like master chef as well i like Bake Off. I don't like call that x-factor shite because I feel like I missed my calling being on that, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Whereas that can like do a dick because they're horrible to people as well. So yeah, come on, why are you being horrible? You don't need to be. Constructive criticism is nice. Don't just tell someone they're a cunt. That's my job.
4: <laughs> <laughs> any uh, any comment on Spe- Becky, G., Matt?
2: Uh, I don't think she was very good either. I
3: was like, eh, okay, just it, it was there.
4: I feel like Kevin Hart was
3: there
2: as well. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah he, the, he was he there
4: throw. He was there and I agree I, I yeah so I really liked Mark Wahlberg well I quite like Mark Wahlberg yes. doing the
2: you love Mark Wahlberg we've established yeah we, all right,
4: yeah we got it yeah but I also liked LL Cool J when he did a similar thing mm. you know and so I was like oh I like those and they weren't like one after the other so it, it felt like it was a standalone thing specific but this felt like oh we're just doing this again you know mm. and with Kevin Harrow I don't really thinks that great to be honest I'm not that big a fan of Kevin Hart in general although I can't say I've seen an awful lot of him in but yeah I just I'm not he's not really a fan of Kevin Hart in general because it wasn't different and because it was with Kevin Hart I just thought yes it's 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 all right
2: so there's a comedian an older comedian I've never heard of him before Kit Wilson I think it is he's on a podcast that's done by a guy Shannon who used to play American football and Apparently at the start of the interview, i have not seen any of it, but they just start and Shannon Sharp goes, so Kit, how are you doing? And he just goes off on a load of comedians. And one of them is Kevin Hart. And apparently he eviscerates him. Like absolutely eviscerates him. Because there's this, I didn't know about this, but there's a theory that he's been planted by like, the film industry, Kevin Hart, because he's a comedian who's done comedy shows. But no one's ever seen him at like, the comedy store or anything like that. He just suddenly was doing massive arena gigs. So obviously, probably an incredible amount of bullshit, but apparently he goes off for about 15 minutes on him. That the old job. And oh. After watching this, I was like, give it to him.
4: That, that, that doesn't, that needn't be a plant or or a or conspiracy of any kind, though. That's no, just, no, that's no. just manufactured stand up comic in the same way as like yes. a band would be a manufactured band. Like they've just yeah. gone, put him in some films and after that we can sell loads and loads of tickets yeah. at stand up gigs. Yeah, that's
2: fair. he that's... sells out he sells out, he's popular. Yeah. I I, you, I did quite like him. And then I think he cheated on his wife. And I was like, come on, mate, what's the fucking point in that? When it comes to things like
4: You know, that I don't like that are specifically American or specifically British, for example, stand up comedy. I specifically do not like American stand up comedy. So I just find it to be very, very basic, very, very generic stuff. Mm. Basically, the the conclusion of this video, I said we need something new for WrestleMania 40, basically. Mm. We need something new in the intro video.
2: Hang on. I know where you're going with this. The to of Rustin review, lads. <laughs> doing, oh, doing the cold intro.
4: Oh, man, don't tell anybody. It's a secret. <laughs> It'll can be you something imagine
2: that? Fucking hell. <laughs> <Now>. Jesus.
4: <laughs> they just have you going, so I'm not allowed to say the word cunt, right?
2: Yeah. And <laughs> oh, Stephen's going, no, I'm not doing it. I'm still not over what you did to Cody last year. <laughs> <laughs> and then, or it's me going off, and I should go off on Tony Khan. Yeah, fuck off fuck like off cocaine Tony. And then it turns out that the only one who's speaking any sense is Tinky. So it was only him on there, disappointing.
4: That would be yeah. disappointing. That would be very uh, close,
2: disappointing. That's a fucking dream
4: they did have the Hollywood spoofs again. Uh like they did mm. what, WrestleMania twenty one I think. So that was yeah. quite cool. I don't mind them recycling that. That was a long time ago, so that's fine. Yeah. Then the show starts with the Miz and Snoop Dogg in the ring as the hosts of the show. I mean, this was a bit of fluff, but I did quite enjoy the self-deprecating Miz and the things that mm-hmm. comparing comparing himself to Snoop Dogg. That was quite funny, quite interesting.
2: Yeah, I also thought, again, I thought this when I first saw it, when I watched this show last year, the fucking stadium oh. looks phenomenal.
4: The set looks amazing.
2: I oh, really it's
3: like incredible, you, isn't it? You just reminded me again, right, that that, that was at least only for a little bit, but that was a little bit of a sore point for me. Because, like, again, doing mm. my whole... Whichever WrestleMania I was meant to go to, because it bounced around to so many different locations, at one point it landed on LA. And when I sort of looked up SoFi Stadium and was like, fuck, that looks like it'd be a great one to go to. And I got really pumped for it. And then when I saw this one,
2: I was like, ah, oh, man. <laughs> so, hang on, let's do a... Deep, so were you not given the choice of which WrestleMania you went to?
3: No, I... <laughs> I think originally it was meant to be Florida, but then, cause it was in like it, during like the middle of the COVID pandemic that we were hmm. booking it and it bounced around to different locations. Like even the people booking it said, Oh, like WWE don't know. They're like, they currently, you know, it's between this one, between this one. And, and then like, cause originally it was meant to be Florida, then LA, but then I think they ended up doing, like they moved one of them around or something, or they brought Texas yeah. forward or Texas wasn't meant to be a thing. And then they put Texas in there and, it, it was a giant pain in the
4: ass. Wasn't you? it supposed to be Florida was in rest, was supposed to be WrestleMania 20, but then because they didn't do it and they had announced, I think, Texas for WrestleMania 37 or maybe California for WrestleMania 37, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, yeah, but we didn't go to Florida for WrestleMania 36 really because we were in the performance center. So we'll do that in Florida for 37. And then that shoved everything back a bit basically, didn't it? Yeah,
2: I, th- I
3: think, think that's what did it because LA was one that, I remember being on the table for a while and I was like, yes.
2: Yeah, I think the Super Bowl might have mixed it as well. I know it's completely different times of year, but I think they tend to not do both yeah. massive events. because Very often the Super Bowl will be the feeder for WrestleMania, won't it? And they flipped the other way around a few times as well.
4: Anyway, then we get the first match of the night. It is Austin Theory versus John Cena. It's a match that goes just over 11 minutes and ends when uh, Cena gets Theory to tap out to the STF, but the referee is down from an earlier incident. Theory then hits a low blow on and an A-Town down, then gets the pin to retain the title. Matt, what did you think of this? Do you know what? This is quite strange, right? But I actually got, for at least a little bit, a little
3: bit emotional just a little bit emotional at, at seeing John Cena at this point, because I thought, you know what? He's been around for a very long time. We know that this is more than likely his final run. Um, I mean, He's even confirmed it even more now, but at the time you're thinking this is probably going to be one of his final runs. And he's done a lot, you know, they, you know, they brought, obviously brought the make a wish kids out. And, you know, I thought that was, you know, that was nice. And he does seem to be like a genuine nice guy. And then he took off his hat. And I thought, <laughs> for fuck's sake, you're you're a grown-ass man with hair like that, and he pissed away all the goodwill that he'd built up with me. (laughs) Just (laughs) like that, it wound me up to such an extent, I just thought, oh, how would somebody let him go on television with that atrocious hairdo on his head? But honestly, he looked terrible, but (laughs) aside from that, it, it it was interesting watching this one back now, especially seeing as we know where Austin Theory is, and looking at where he was here, because I, I think it's almost safe to say that I'm not sure this really did anything for him in, in the long run, mm-hmm. which, you know, obviously I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it is, is not what they were looking for. It, it wasn't that he was a bad match, and I've got nothing against the idea of, you know, the of somebody like Cena putting somebody, you know, putting like a newcomer over, but there's something about this that just felt really off to me. I, I almost was thinking... This would have been a better scenario if they had Cena in a tag match, maybe. Don't get me wrong, no idea who the you know the partners and opponents would be. Obviously, Cena and a partner versus a Theory and a partner. I, I just felt that for what they did in the match, I felt that would have been a better use of Cena here. Again, it's, it's hard to, to put my finger on, on how they would do it, but, but that's kind of what I was feeling after watching it. Just it, it didn't seem like maybe it was just the wrong opponent at the end of the day. I don't know, but this didn't feel like the best use of John Cena. And again, especially given, like I said, the, the fact that he is, you know, seems to be approaching his, his final run. So So that was a little, seemed a little bit off. You know, no problems with Theory getting the win. I think that was, you know, definitely the right thing to do. And it's, it's, this is almost a really strange to say, but I can't remember the last time John Cena had probably the worst match on a show, which is what I really? think this was. Well, I mean, in, in recent years anyway, I've been mean, going back quite a while ago. It was quite common, but I, I
2: definitely think this was probably the worst thing on the show, which is a shame. I didn't mind this. I thought it was a pretty good effort. And I thought this was pretty much about as good as Cena could do. Going back to your point about something feeling a bit off, I didn't get the feud. Didn't understand. There isn't really a feud. It's a very strange thing. John Cena doing the stuff with the Make Wish kids, I really, really loved. But from a match point of view, I'm just like, really? It's it was so lovely. But just from speaking as a fucking mark for a minute. I'm like what the fuck like He's there having a really nice time with those kids, which is wonderful. And giving them an absolutely extraordinary experience. But he's meant to be getting ready for a match. And I think that kind of was the whole thing with this match. It didn't really need to happen. I love the fact that the, the crowd gave the kids an enormous pop. Cena running down the ramp was hilarious because he starts laughing. And then they cut to him and he's just laughing. because It's such an enormous ramp. And the match happens, and it's like they they play for time quite a bit in the early stages. There is a false submission finish, which you mentioned there, Tinky, that just made Cena look like a right prat, for want of a better phrase. Because he tapped out, he's seen the referee go down, and yet he goes, yeah, he celebrates, and then he's like, oh no, oh no, the referee's down, oh no. But all in all, it's a pretty clever. I do agree as well with you, Matt. I don't think Theory got anything from this, and I don't think I don't think that will have been the intention. Obviously, well, I say obviously, you never know. It might have been a, a hangover from Vince McMahon a little that he was obviously pushing Austin Theory quite hard at one point. But I did think it was a decent way to start the show because the crowd were into it. It's Cena; people are always going to be into it. And I absolutely love Austin Theory's finisher. That looks tremendous. Love the old job.
4: This was fine. It was, it was fine. A good opening match, match in the sense that it established a baseline for what you could expect over the course of the night. I always think that's really important. I, I always believe that the first match should be something that people are interested in. So there should be someone who's over in the match to make sure that the fans get into it. But that it doesn't do anything massive. It shouldn't, for me, shouldn't do anything, any major bumps. It shouldn't be any really big, super aerials there shouldn't be i don't know like a turn or anything or a title change really it should be just a a match that establishes the basics of what you're going to see over the course of the night just to kind of set you up for taking you up and down beyond that point in in, through the rest of the show and that's what this did it is a bit strange that they use john cena in this in this way Mm -hmm. but actually less so when i saw him So, like when Mm. I think I remember seeing a picture of him at this show, and I thought, my goodness, he just looks ridiculous now. Like, Remember I remember when we watched when we went to WrestleMania 25 and we were talking about how Shawn Michaels should not be called the heartbreak kid anymore. He looks about 50 already. There's no <laughs> way he can be called the heartbreak kid still. John Cena is like triple this because he does just he looks old now. He he just can't get away with that that outfit. It just doesn't work anymore. He also looked in comparison to Austin Theory very white like he'd not <clears throat> seen a, 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 any sun for a very long time. He just looked old. You know, he's got he's obviously got the bold patch on the top of his head as well, which just, you know, again, you I, I, I mean, I don't know what he does about that. I don't know. I don't you know, I'm not I, I'm not, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not immune from that either. You know, I've got the same thing going on in my head. But the point is, is like he's you know, I've not got a you know on TV. Year, well, was, exactly. I've not had a 20 year career portraying a cool you know, well not cool, but you know, cool to some people, character, you know, youthful character on television. But John Cena has. And I don't know I don't know what he does about that. But yeah, I just felt like he looked like just a normal old person. Do you know what I mean? Or not an old person, but a normal middle aged person. Somebody of my age who looked quite normal. Maybe with a few more muscles, but in general,
2: just
4: <laughs> A few more <laughs> but just in general, just yeah, I felt like a little bit like this was John Cena with the air let out a little bit <laughs> hmm.
2: i was disappointed about halfway through this match like if he was bolding from the front i could have made a joke which would have been what did john tina's forehead say to his hairline you can't see me <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs> um, the
4: other thing i was gonna say about Austin theory of course is yeah i think it is uh, hangover of Vince McMahon's push for him. I think possibly there's, there's maybe two ways to look at it. One is that Triple H thought, "Hell, we've done some work to lay the groundwork for Austin Theory anyway, so let's let's kind of just see if we can get something else out of him." We've got Cena. We don't think we can put him in anything serious because look at him. But if we put him up against Austin Theory, it might give Austin Theory something. You know, he might get something out of it. And <laughs>
2: and uh, <laughs> sorry. And it's just you You're <laughs> saying like I mean look at him I just, love the, I just love the thought in my head That old Triple H is there <laughs> With Jamie Noble And old what's his chops I can't remember what is his name What's his Jim name? Joey Mercury Yeah yeah And um, the lad who was in Alpha Academy initially Oh Jason Jordan Thank you I was. What's he Jason Andrews? Who's C- he? Kurt Angleson Yeah <laughs> but yeah just like john cena turning up and then we're going jesus man what are we gonna do with you (laughs) just look at (laughs) him cut his head
4: head. i just i think i think a bigger thing is the the outfit i think the bigger thing for me was the outfit he's got to he's got to lose that i don't know what he changes to but he's got to lose it if he's going to wrestle again but yeah i just i just think that might have been what it was and then it didn't give him much and of course Vince was maybe back for sort of three months or so after this Mm -hmm. point and maybe Vince himself lost interest because that that happened routinely through the last 15, 20 years. And then, of course, since then, he's gone and Triple H doesn't even have to maintain the pretense anymore. He can just be like, I don't care. He's rubbish. (laughs) I'm not interested in the guy. So, yeah, I don't know. But um, yeah, just uh, I put in my fantasy booking for WrestleMania 40 John Cena against Cody Rhodes. And had I seen this, I don't think I would have done, because I just don't think he looks like a star anymore. And I don't think people would have treated him as such. He can come out and do this in a sort of mid-card spot against someone, put them over, and it still means something. And I felt this did mean something. Crowd was kind of refreshingly completely behind John Cena. And even the Cena sucks chants were there, just because I think people felt like they should be there. Like it was almost fitting, as opposed to them disliking him. I thought that was
3: odd, see, because like... Particularly over the last couple of months, it's like universal praise for him, pretty much. So I was quite surprised
4: by that. I say I, I just think that was people going, "This doesn't feel right without those chants," so we're going to almost add that in.
2: I did. Um, just before we move on from I did like when he was just about to do the five knuckle shuffle, when he went to stop and he just gave like a thank you to the crowd. I think knowing now that he's probably, I like, he got about four minutes of work left in his wrestling career. I was like, oh, that's actually that must have been a really nice moment for him. And then I looked at his hair and I thought, even for me, I'm like, hanging hey, mate.
4: <laughs> I mean, look, this is a guy that for best part of fifteen years pretty much just worked like, yeah. nonstop for the company, rehabbed yeah. from injury really quickly, like on a number mm. of occasions because presumably the pressure was on. Vince McMahon was like, we need you, we need you, come back, we need to mm. get you back, and all this stuff. So, I don't blame him if he's just stopped, and he's and it's and it's kind of like, one of those things where when you stop, you just, you can't get up again. You're like, you're done yeah. And I Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all.
3: You know, he's building a decent, you know, sort of film career behind him as well, to be fair. Yeah.
4: So, the next match is the Fatal 4-Way tag team match, which we've spoken about. God, have we spoken about that. The <laughs> singles match between Seth Rollins and Logan Paul is after that, so the Next thing that we get is a hype video for the formation of Damage Control and their attack on Becky Lynch. Uh, Lita then joining Becky and they challenge Damage Control for the women's tag team titles that are held by Dakota Kai and Io Sky, during which Bailey tries to interfere in in the match, but Trish Stratus evens the odds and Lita and Becky win the belts. This sets up a six-person tag team match, which is Damage Control against Becky Lynch, Lita and Trish Stratus. It's a Nearly 15-minute match, and it ends when Becky Lynch hits the manhandle slam on Bailey from the second rope to get the win. Oh, man.
2: It's not much for a feud, is it? Not really, no. No, let's be honest. Uh, they also do a like, kind of like Sin City-style yeah. intro for Becky Lynch, Lita, and Trish Stratus, which I thought was really odd, but I actually thought it worked quite well, because it was something a bit different. And I also liked how they got Lita out, Trish out, and then Becky Lynch out. I don't know if you're going to do those things. They did it pretty well. They kind of elevated the star each time. Because, oh, Becky Lynch gets a heck of an when she comes out. I'm I'm still not sure if I get it, Becky Lynch. still not sure whether I understand why she's so beloved. She's a very, very good worker. But, yeah, the Irish last kicker. Um... I had some issue with the start of this match in that for the first few minutes, Becky Lynch is the one being worked over. And I'm like, you're the full time pro in this match. Why are you being like, I'm sorry, that's Lita's spot. That is 100% Lita's spot in the, I understand it because you want the hot tag. You want the hot tag to Lita mm. and then you want the super hot tag to Trish
4: Can I offer an alternative perspective? Yes, because they didn't trust Lita or Trish to work the bulk of the match.
2: Mm, fair, which uh, that's fucking that brings me <laughs> to my next. It brings me to my next point, which was then I saw Lita work, and I realised why they put her in this position, <laughs> because fuck me, Lita <laughs> is. Right? I don't know whether it's been heightened because Tinky, you've talked about it. She is terrible. really bad like she did a bloody lead assault oh deary me dear me almost took half her face off doing that i mean fair facts to her because i wouldn't even try it but this is i thought this was pretty good probably about as good as it could be but it was pretty much bailey's match and bailey just does those little things where she she did lead as little like hardy boy's like dance thing, yeah, too yeah, the dance, thank you, Matthew. Yeah, she did that to her to get some heat on her. She then did the Trish Stratus point to the ceiling. Yeah, which I thought was absolutely great. And Bailey's selling up a storm in this match. Like and it's exactly right, isn't it? Bailey is the fully established star and you're with Dakota Kai and Eo Sky. They don't need to be put in that position where they're kind of made to look almost like the butt of the joke a little bit. At times. And I thought this was pretty good overall. There's a tremendous sell of a, a Bailey, a Bailey's belly suplex by Trish Stratus that is fucking phenomenal. And she obviously went on to have a very, by all accounts, I've never seen any of them, a really, really good series of matches with Becky Lynch when she turns heel on her within the next month. And uh, yeah, I thought this was all right. I need to probably give it a rest, mate. But, yeah, I th- I think, like I said, if you're going to do this, this is probably about as good as you can expect it to be. And I appreciate that. I also appreciated where it was on the card, like, to your point, Tinky. Because I, I knew what was coming, and I'd kind of forgotten that this match was on there. So I knew the matches that were coming, and this did break it up lovely. So thanks.
3: I totally forgot that this match was even on the card. I mean, in terms of, like, the reason for the match, I think, like, it even existed... Is part, I think, because Trish and Lita want to prove that they could hang and do what the younger girls do, and prove that they can still do it. Now, where the unfortunate harsh reality really kicks in, and I don't, I don't even, I don't want to be harsh about it, but the cold hard fact is they can't. Now, I'm not necessarily referring to both because in all fairness, I think Trish has actually still had some good matches since that as well. I am totally aiming this at Lita. <laughs> who is fucking awful. And I almost even feel bad for saying that because I definitely was a big fan of hers as well. But my God, she was terrible in this. And it really showed. I, I think, you know, you you know, you're right in saying that this is as good as it could have been. I think that's a fair point. They they certainly tried. They they tried to do all the things that the girls do now, you know, to be honest, which is what just, you know, they couldn't really do, they, you know, they managed to get some stuff done and make some spots look pretty cool. Like I did like the, you know, the the Trish sort of Hurricane Rana from the, to the Kodakai from the top row to outside. I thought that was a cool little spot. But yeah, you know, you know, Bailey and Becky were, were meant to be the stars and they did kind of have to, in some respect, you know, sort of play second fiddle. And this is one of those where I I know in the past, you know, we've harped on, I know I definitely have, I've harped on women's matches, having time cut and being too short, but my God, did this one go for too long? This is one of those, I think, which would have been perfect if if it was five minutes, you know, or just really brief, get in there, do your trademark spots, look great, send the people home happy, happy days. But again, they wanted to show that they could be out there for a long time and, and do it. And, yeah, not so sure that that's the case, but you know, it, it, it happened, it was fine. Let's, let's maybe move on. We, you know, may, maybe keep those, you know, legend spots for the people who can't work for <coughs> for, you know, like the Royal Rumble, that type of
2: thing. So, are you saying that this would have been better as a piss match? TP, you're up,
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> or, or, or an exhibition or something?
4: <laughs> I thought this was fine, so this match was fine. I, I like, I don't. It wasn't great or anything, but I, I thought it was fine. I think you had to get certainly Becky and the, and damage control on WrestleMania somewhere. I think adding Lita and, and Lita and Trish in the mix certainly gives you the excuse to put this on WrestleMania. I don't really think Lita's ever been that good, to be honest. It's not about that she can't still go. I don't think she's really ever been able to go. I think she's always been relatively dangerous. I will, though concede and I always have done about the women that worked during Lita and Trisha's period of kind of when they were big, that they really had no chance to get any better. They weren't given the opportunities to work long matches. They weren't given opportunities to work serious matches. They had to constantly concede to a lower standard of, of entertainment that the WWE decided their fans were desperate to see at the time. And I don't believe that they were particularly, I don't believe that had, wwe not had trish and lita and others kind of sell themselves on their sex appeal that they would have lost any fans i don't don't believe that that would have made any difference to the people watching quite frankly even the people who liked that stuff would have still continued to watch wrestling had that stuff not been on on air so i i think that sometimes whilst i do criticize lita for her work i also always feel like it's right to make that caveat because again how could she be better she was in a period of time where they really didn't get much of a chance trish got quite a lot more of a chance i would suggest but mainly because you know god we know who was in control of wwe at that time and we know that basically they had no respect for women whatsoever to the point where that there are allegations of criminal activity that they're not just rumor or innuendo there is an actual you know 70 page document detailing the, the things that took place so not that trish got her chance because she was you know attract. just because she was attractive she did everything she could to, to make herself a, a very skilled worker and in fairness appears to still be a very skilled worker to this point i don't I didn't see the, the, the Trish matches with Becky Lynch either. But on this showing she seems perfectly still capable, but that she got that chance because Vince found her to be attractive and that's how he judged women, basically, rather than judge them on their talent. It just so happened that Trish was also very talented. And so I thought I thought that this was fine. And I didn't really have a problem with Bailey kind of showing ass a lot during this match. She she's a great heel, and that's what great heels do, is they they have to show us quite a lot. You know, if you don't do that, you very quickly become a babyface. It's very simple stuff. You know, you you have to be the butt of the joke, you have to lose matches, you have to make people think that you couldn't win if it weren't for the fact that you were were cheating or you were doing something unhanded or you were getting help. Because if you do any of those things, you slowly become a babyface. It's really that simple. So next up we get the Dominic Mysterio and Ray Mysterio batch. Which we've already discussed, so we can move on. We get an advert for backlash in Puerto Rico with Bad Bunny apparently hosting. Although oh. didn't he actually ha- didn't he actually have a match
2: in the end? He did. He did yeah, yeah. Which I think won Tom's match of twenty
4: twenty three. We discussed it on the show two weeks ago, um, and I think it was over twenty minutes long. A Bad Bunny singles
2: match It was yeah. really good
4: And it was considered very good Yeah You know I went into the whole thing About part-timers last time Well not even part-timers But these celebrity Kind of crossovers And how it might Just change the business A little bit Then we got footage During the show We'd already seen The fans from London During the show But we also saw fans In Germany at this point As well Reacting to some of the matches That are taking place Yeah, yeah. I
2: thought
4: this was a. I thought this was Quite a cool little extra thing Like it's a perfectly You know It was obviously Nothing major or anything But It's a very kind of well established thing that they do on sports shows in general, showing people in bars and whatnot reacting to the action. Then we saw the hype video for Rhea Ripley against Charlotte Flair and the Royal Rumble. Rhea Ripley won the Royal Rumble. And after being in the ring for over an hour, she then chooses Charlotte Flair following their match three years ago where Charlotte won. They have a confrontation on SmackDown where Rhea Ripley tells Flair that she will fear her. And Flair says diamonds are forever. And so is Charlotte Flair. This precedes their match it was a 23 and a half minute match, which is won by Rhea Ripley when she hits Riptide off the top and gets the pin on Charlotte. Matt. This was a bit of all right, wasn't it? there's lots
3: there's lots to say about this one i mean i mean let's just start off with the obvious this was a very 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 good match some would go even further than that say it was excellent you can say what you like in a bit but this was definitely very very good what was interesting for me is that this felt like the proper handing of the torch from charlotte flair to rhea ripley now I know Rhea Ripley, you know, she'd had that persona for, you know, a couple of years. You know, we, we did a show a couple of weeks back where we, you know, we did the previous, you know, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte match. This felt like the right time to make to make her a star. And I felt that that's exactly what this match did. This really cemented Rhea Ripley as the as one of the biggest and best that they've got. So as far as a goal to achieve that, they 100% did it in sp- Bades, I think, so fair play to them for that. It made Rhea Rugby look like a a million dollars. Well done. Again, I I thought the match was very good. You know, there was loads of good stuff between the pair of them. I mean, fair play. The the only sort of tiny, and I mean tiny nitpicky thing, and this is just for me personally, I I have a funny feeling you guys might feel slightly differently. Again, Michael Cole on the commentary came up again for me. I, I, I don't know what it was, but you know how you get where... You know, you might like something and somebody tells you, oh, it's the best thing you've ever seen. And they really shove that down your throat. <laughs> it really does get you a little bit. There was lots of that from Michael Cole for me. I liked this match, don't get me wrong. And like I said, I felt he was very, 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 very good. But I personally think that Rhea and Charlotte have had better matches together. Which, again, in all fairness, is no bad thing. It goes to show the overall quality between them. is fan-fucking-tastic. Like, to be perfectly blunt, I feel their last WrestleMania match was better, which blows my mind even more because that was in front of no fucking fans. So so that's a, an amazing achievement. But there was just bits in this, you know. It almost felt like they were trying to hammer down you throat. Oh, this is like a match of the year, the best thing you've ever seen. And that, again, just be really nitpicky. That did bug me just a tiny bit, which just took a little bit of that enjoyment away. But other than that, like I said, I want to go with the positive view. This really was really, really, really good piece of work.
2: I don't know whether I'm in a minority with this. This is undoubtedly a very well executed match. Just didn't hit. Just did not hit at all. And you've hit the nail on the head, Matt. And this is what I actually wrote down is that this, what they're doing is they are crowning Rhea Ripley, As the figurehead of the women's division, and because of that, it just felt so unimportant and so anticlimactic. I was just like, they worked their fucking asses off, and they have what is undoubtedly a very, like I said, very well executed match. But I didn't get any drama from it. I didn't get, I didn't get anything but really excellent work, which is an odd. It's not a criticism, but it's an odd comment because that's kind of what you want, but there was just nothing for me to grab hold of and to go, oh, this is great. This is I personally don't think this is a patch on their match. A patch on their match. In front of no one. Because I think they basically have the same match. And that was a major, major problem for me. Because when they did it the first time it was surprising and it was incredible. And like Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley just worked so well together. And they were so careful at getting Rhea Ripley to the level of Charlotte Flair. You move forward three years, we know Rhea Ripley is better than Charlotte Flair in how she's presented at this point in time. And I was a bit like, yeah, it's fine. I just, yeah, it just really didn't hit for me at all. Excellently put together. Crowd lapped it up. Agree with you on the commentary as well, Matt. I think they over the pudding. On making out that it was the best thing they've ever seen, but that's just my opinion. I just, yeah, it just didn't do a lot for me, to be honest.
4: So this is my second best match of the night for me. I think it, if it if it was better than their WrestleMania 36 matches only because there was a crowd. I think their mm. WrestleMania 36 match probably was better from a pure kind of just what they did perspective, but they had the crowd, so you know it kind of just gets a gets the extra nod for me. But I do think that there are some issues with it. Like, for example, I mean, that's us first of all, let's take this one on. It was quite a bold call for Charlotte Flair to wear the belt over her large coat as she came to the ring. I found that was very, very <laughs> strange. What should do it there. This also should be noticed the first time ever that the, there was a match at WrestleMania mm. where both women, the referee and the announcer were all, all women. there's there's never been a match like that before it's quite interesting matt like look at him like shrugging shrugging off (laughs) like as if it doesn't matter or it's not significant Uh, i think that's really significant and actually this is something i've been waiting for for a little while because i do think that they get they're getting to the stage where they could consider a roster split on on sex lines as opposed to just having separate rosters Mm -hmm. like i think if you had a men's roster and a women's roster and one of them had smackdown the other one on raw that would be fine um, especially as you could then eliminate the need for two men's world titles and two women's world titles and two, you know, an, an, an intercontinental US title. You just slim down the belts and I think it would just make a lot of sense. And you could also make it WrestleMania 1, Night 1 and WrestleMania Night 2 and they'd just be women and just be men if you wanted. Like Things like that would be quite interesting, at least for one, maybe one year. There was uh, there was also a slightly disengaged audience I felt for this hmm. through most of it or for large, large amounts of it the, the the first ten fifteen minutes I thought the crowd weren't as into this as i as thought they would be and i what i i i theorized that maybe this is because there isn't really a baby face in this match Charlotte hmm. Flair is not a baby face like she isn't a likable a particularly likable person a character is not built up to be a likable person I and mean, again she's wearing a ridiculously garish robe as she walks to the ring like that is not the actions of a babyface. similar to seth rollins i guess ultimately he's not he, he, he this is his big issue is that when he portrays a baby face there isn't a baby face in the match because he's not really a baby face um and that's kind of what we had here with charlotte flair she, she just didn't get the crowd on her side and by the end rhea ripley was the far more popular of the two in the ring even though she is definitely a heel without shadow of a doubt at this point being part of the judgment day but it all turned on a on a single moment which was the bit where they basically just had gone through a heck of a lot and then started fronting up to each other with forearms and they were laying in heavily the fans were going mad and i suddenly got goosebumps this is excellent this is so good, so dramatic, so exciting. At that point, I was properly into it. Now, there's only sort of three or four minutes after that point, but it doesn't matter. That that just, the whole thing built really well to this moment, and then the moment just turned everything on its head and was just absolutely brilliant. I just felt that this built slowly to something really special in the end, and they did themselves proud. I think they deserve a lot of credit. I don't think it's quite on the level of Sasha Banks and um, Bianca Belair at WrestleMania 37 but it's it's one of the top 3 4 women's matches at WrestleMania of all time without doubt and uh yeah i think they were they did really well
2: i think there is another issue which i only picked up on when i looked at the advertising for this WrestleMania this is meant to be the main event isn't it and well yeah they, all, they they
4: do put it on the graphic don't they yeah definitely
2: yeah yeah like this seems to be meant to be the main event and i think it suffers having come after the Mysterio's match, because I think that was so emotionally charged. And I not even thought about what you said then, thinking where there isn't a clear face in the match. So there isn't anyone for the crowd to latch onto. And maybe that was my problem with it. I felt well, like...
4: Clearly it, Flair's the, supposed to be the baby face. She just Yeah, I
2: mean? no. no. And in the first match, there was that, to use an incredibly patronising term, That plucky underdog wasn't there, like in their first match behind closed doors. Like it was like, because I didn't have a clue who she was. Like who's this lady from NXT who has come and challenged Charlotte Flair? How is this going to work out? They obviously think highly of her like at the time because she's coming into this match. But yeah,
4: there is one other way that I differ from both of you as well. So on the commentary, I don't, again, I didn't really notice Michael Cole, particularly Mm. in any way, but I thought this was the best performance I've ever heard from Corey Graves. I thought he Mm. was spectacular during this match. I thought he put over the concept of the the sporting occasion so well all the way through. I wonder if this was one of the performances that WWE looked to, to make them think maybe he can do the play-by-play. Commentary, mm. which he now is in position of doing on SmackDown at this point in time, because I just thought he was excellent. He didn't play babyface heel kind of thing. He just went in on the this incredible confrontation between two giants of the game, basically, yeah. and that was his his position. I thought he did really well.
3: You know, there's one thing I forgot babe, and just very briefly,
4: <laughs> and like they they showed um, Charlotte Flair's
3: you know sort of face afterwards, you know, as mm. Rio standing, they holding the title, and on a personal level. I'm sure she was ridiculously happy, you know, that, you know, the colleague that she probably likes and respects, you know, gets their turn, they get to be crowned, and that's great. And I'm sure she was happy, that's great. When she gets to the back, smile all you like. But again, it's one of those things, it's like, wouldn't you be pissed that you've just lost the women's title? It, it, you know, I just, I don't think they should have showed her smiling and happy as, mm. much, as much as they did. But.
4: Yeah, and I don't I don't necessarily disagree with that. I guess the only thing I would say in defense of it is that, I do think that they're right to have different emotions after losing. So I wouldn't want it always to be that the person who lost is angry or annoyed. I think actually you could sell it. And the way I read it was Charlotte Flair was smiling because she didn't feel she should have lost. She was kind of in that kind of it was almost a smile slash grimace. Like I know where I went wrong there and I should never have lost that match. And almost kind of amused at the fact that she lost it, knowing that she shouldn't have done. And And I I liked the idea that there is not one default emotion for a specific thing that happens, and so that's how I kind of explained it away. But I, I do agree. I felt that they lingered on it for too long, and she maybe yeah. held the, the the expression for too long. She should perhaps have almost done that smile and then walked off, like knowing that she'd she should have shouldn't have lost the match. But I, do, I so I do kind of agree with you, but I kind of had a way of explaining it explaining it in my own head. So then they show the fans in Australia watching the match. Uh, afterwards and uh in the same style. Bloody uh, Ripper! in the uk and in germany <laughs> then we get a hype video for gunther seamus and mcintyre's match on the sunday and then byron saxton is joined by austin theory for the briefest of brief interviews in which theory says "The he made john cena believe and then he walks off that's that's it that's the whole thing i was like that's you know i'm all for i'm all for post and pre-match interviews but what uh, was the point in that
2: all uh, right was Byron saxon's contribution to this show? <laughs> <laughs>
4: Six figures for that. Yeah. <laughs> then we get the Smith, the, the Smith, the, Miz the and Smith, Snoop the Smith, Miz and Snoop Dogg are back in the ring. They announced that 80,497 is the official attendance for the night. Snoop says that the only thing that would be better is if the Miz had a match tonight. Miz says he agrees. And he puts out an open he says he put out an open challenge on Twitter and everywhere on social media and says that no one responded because they're all scared of him. This brings out Pat McAfee for a surprise appearance. Snoop Dogg dancing to McAfee's music was very uh, fun Mm -hmm. during this bit. McAfee says that nobody saw Miz's open challenge, which is curious, but says he is wearing his WrestleMania tank top and says he will accept the open challenge. Miz then asks if they want to see the match. He says that he's. The host of WrestleMania and can't make matches official, which is in direct contradiction to everything we've ever <laughs> known about a host at any show in the past. McAfee then gets the crowd to chant "tiny balls" at Miz, and then asks someone asks that someone must be able to make a match official. And Snoop, Snoop Dogg says that he can, as he is the WrestleMania host and the the Godfather of WrestleMania, or the Dogfather of WrestleMania, I should say. So the match is on. It's The Miz versus Pat McAfee. It's a match that goes for three and a half minutes and it ends when McAfee hits the punt and gets the pin. I'm going to go to Matt first because I'm sure this is right down his street.
3: <laughs> Just to double check, there's a reason for the tiny balls, Chad and Cobb. did you know what it is?
4: Other than what he said during the promo. <laughs>
3: no, there was something where on Raw once Marie said he had really big balls and then for some reason for months, they just kept going to it, and like she'd come out with her like her purse would have like giant balls on it, and just it was a running gag for ages that Miz has really big balls. So uh, apparently that was the reason for him taking the piss and saying tiny balls. But um, yeah, the, the the balls joke side. Um, eh, I don't like Pat McAfee, which my mate Kieran will absolutely batter me for saying because he fucking loves him. I don't get it. I don't get him. Not for me. I just find him quite irritating. Like the fact that he shows up to all these fucking shows and all of a sudden gets a match is just really annoying. I mean, at least it was really quick. Yeah, what, what, what can I say? I mean, it was shit.
2: <laughs> wow. I mean, that's a pretty. Uh, there's a pretty detailed and thorough review you just gave, Matthew. Lifestyle. There's a st- stupid bump by McAfee from the top. To the outside, that's just really stupid. Uh, George Kittle comes out, who plays for the San Francisco 49ers. Why they bought him out in the stadium of the LA Rams and LA Chargers, I don't know. Yeah, didn't really get any response either. George Kittle was wearing some phenomenal shorts, but the main thing I took from it was that Corey Graves referred to Pat McAfee as Aaron Rodgers' personal propaganda machine. Mm. So for those who don't know, Aaron Rodgers is a covid denier and a staunch anti-vaxxer and every Tuesday during this American football season for the last few years Aaron Rodgers appeared on Pat McAfee's show and he I listen to it semi-regularly he's normally pretty good like they just talk about life and he went quite hard on the anti-vaxxer I went quite hard on vaccinated people said he wouldn't have a discussion with anyone unless they confirmed their vaccination status and then their relationships now ended because aaron Rodgers suggested that not jimmy possibly jimmy kimmel jimmy kimmel i'm gonna say jimmy kimmel but I jimmy have kimmel. You, yeah was a savile for a minute no it's no it's yeah jimmy kimmel Yeah, so he insinuated that Jimmy Kimmel should be concerned at the release of the Jeffrey Epstein list. And yeah, and he came out and said this in the open on Pat McAfee's show. And yeah, they don't have a relationship now. I spoke about Aaron Rodgers on Stephen's podcast when I was on there. And he has always seemed like a pretty level-headed person. He is a fucking cunt. He is an absolute cunt. Every time I've heard him speak in the last like nine months, an absolute chude, so he can fuck off. But yeah, that's. I thought I'd add some context to the, to the thing. Uh, in relation to this segment, I've had a better 10 minutes in my life, to be honest. I could have done without it. It didn't really do a lot for me. I like Pat McAfee. I like The Miz. I like Snoop. George Kittle seems like a good man, but this didn't really do a lot for me. I didn't really need it, to be honest.
4: No, I agree. And I actually think this is the one misstep that they make on the the card is having this. I don't think they need it. I don't mind. As I said, I've kind of flipped on Pat McAfee. I quite like Mm. him now. But I didn't need him to wrestle again here. There was no... context for it and to be honest at the start of the show i thought the Miz came across as quite a good guy like i said he was really, yeah. really self-deprecating and sort of comparing himself to snoop dog unfavorably and i was like that's not the action of a heel that's that's mm-hmm. the actions of like a of, of a baby face to me and then then they kind of sort of switched him here and i just yeah it didn't really work for me i could have done without it um you know fine it, it filled some time but I, you know let's make this three hours 40 minutes rather than four hours um, and get rid of this thing. <laughs> right. There's then a video video advertising Philadelphia as the host of WrestleMania 40, which we will be covering in successive weeks after the show takes place in a few weeks' time. So we are indeed bringing you effectively, wouldn't go so far as say up-to-the-minute coverage, because they will be delayed by a week or so after the point at which the show happens. But we will be covering it to finish off the WrestleMania series. Then we get a rundown of the card for Night 2, which includes Brock Lesnar versus Omos, Gunther versus Sheamus versus Drew McIntyre, the women's Fatal Four Way WrestleMania Showcase match, Uh, Edge versus Finn Balor in a Hell in a Cell, Bianca Belair versus Asuka, and Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes. And I can't wait to discuss all of that in a fortnight's time, where I'm sure Stephen and I will have a conversation (laughs) similar to the one me and Matt had about the (laughs) WrestleMania Showcase.
3: (laughs) Can't wait to listen to that.
4: Then it's time for our main event, the hype video. Sami Zayn looking to join the bloodline after a, a little period of time where he was not really anywhere at that point and being embraced by them. Kevin Owens telling Zayn that he'll never be their real blood. Zayn helping the Bloodline win war games by taking out Owens at that show. Then Roman ordering Sami Zayn to hit Owens with a chair at the Royal Rumble after the main event of that show. And Zayn instead hitting Roman with it before being attacked by Jimmy uh, Uso and solo but jay walking away not willing to get involved sammy then trying to convince jay to walk away from the bloodline as well and then jay making his allegiance known by super kick Z- zayn on smackdown zayn then vowing to bring down the bloodline and asking owens to help him owens was initially reticent to do it until zayn is taking a beating from the usos and owens makes the save finally After this video, somebody that I didn't catch the name of, but I think is Lil Uzi Vert, is what I got from the name, um, performs a song. Didn't get the name of the song. The song seemed to last for about a minute, and I didn't think it was very good. The users then come out to their regular tune, thank God.
2: (laughs) Fucking odd. That's what I wrote. How fucking odd. Yeah,
4: really weird. Really it's weird. An
2: yeah. Whatever album he's oh. got.
4: Very strange. I mean, for all I know, Tom loves him and thinks he's a global superstar. I don't know, but we'll <laughs> we'll find out. Then what comes next is the main event itself: a 24-minute match between the Usos, who are defending their Raw and SmackDown tag team titles, against Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn. The match. Uh, ends when Sammy hits a massive helluva kick to Jay and then another and another after Owens prevents Jimmy from getting involved and Sammy pins Jay. Old man, what did you think?
2: The promo video is fan-fucking-tastic. The hug on SmackDown is a proper all-time moment in wrestling, I think. Like, really, really very well done. Lil Uzi Vert does a bit of rapping. I've written on my notes, but I've written it as in you wrap a present, which is uh <laughs> which which is good. I wish he had uh, you know.
4: I wish he had done that instead. Just there. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, and then he gives it to you and it's about buckle. Oh terrible. <laughs> well let down. So news come down looking like absolute lads. You then get Kevin Owens Music Hits. He comes out, does his thing, and then Sami Zayn comes out while Kevin Owens is still up on the ramp, uh, on the stage, sorry. I looked at him walking down the ramp, I was like, tell you what, two best mates, the best mates for fucking God knows how many years. that's fucking cool, that's really cool, and then I realised I didn't care. Much like Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley, I know what's coming at the end of this match, and... There is a beatdown on Sami Zayn that goes on for quite a while. And I'm sat there watching it and I just, I don't give a fuck. Don't care. Like, And this is the exact feeling I had when I watched it the first time. I was just like, just get to the end. This is over long. And I felt like all the matches involving people in the bloodline had got to this point in the weeks leading up to this. They were too long. They were very predictably laid out. And it just did... Absolutely nothing for me. Uh, like Flair and Ripley, it's very well done. I, it's incredibly well done. The crowd eat it up, the little perverts. But I just had there was nothing for me. There was no heart in it. There was no. I didn't. I didn't pop at all with the first time I watched it. When they won the titles again, I didn't hear either. Yeah, I just got a bit bored. as well halfway through, to be honest, and uh. I think I'm definitely in the minority with this, but it just did absolutely nothing for me at all.
3: That's an interesting, uh, interesting viewpoint, old man. For, for me, th- there's multiple different angles to to, to this match. Um, one of the first ones is if you were to ask me a couple of years ago, the idea of this match—take this, take the story out of it—if you were to say there's a tag team match, you know, it's got the tag team titles in the main event of a WrestleMania. I probably would have been like, uh, no, don't think so. Should be the world title or should be the, you know, the, the women's world title. You know, those I would have been okay with. Fast forward to today, I'd like to think <laughs> I know a little bit better. And realistically, you should have whatever, but whatever's the hottest story typically should be the main event. Typically. This definitely was the hottest story. So for that part, I, I 100%. This was probably the right call, I think, for main event in this show. Which is again something years ago, I never would have said. I would have said absolutely not tag match, no, for me that this was right to be at least main event of, of this night show. The, yeah, the, the the story as a whole. I mean, I I get where you're coming from, and, and to be fair, man, I had a funny feeling you might you know sort of go go that way because within our WhatsApp group we've mentioned some of the you know some of the bloodline stories. So just to just just to share this with uh, with you lovely listeners. I don't feel that the Bloodline story had peaked at at this point. I still feel that this was excellent. It was definitely the right thing for for, for the the tag team, for, for it to be the tag team titles as well, to be on the line. That was great. You know, Sami Zayn was undoubtedly, for me, he was the star of this match, you know, and it's almost like his star sort of, you know, rubbed off on KO and the Usos as well. So that was great. One of the things that did kind of take me out of this match and again, I just want to try and get this negative bit out of the way quite quickly, is that towards the end, and, and in fact, right, you, you'll notice a pattern, this is what I put in my notes, Jay hits a super kick Jimmy hits a super kick Sammy hits a super kick, KO hits a super kick, and at that point I literally was just like, fuck off <laughs> If you took the use of kicks and feet out of this match, you probably lose about 10-15 to 15 minutes worth it just got to the point where it was a tad overbearing. Now, I will admit some slight hypocrisy in this because there's been other matches that I've loved that have probably been guilty of doing it as well. So I'll hold my hands up to that. If you want to call me a hypocrite, crack on. But it was, for me, it was particularly noticeable. It was just kick, 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 kick. And I was like, just just stop. And, and that kind of ruined it for me. Now, apart from that, the towards the end, the end sort of sequence... The, the kick out of the 1D I thought was fantastic. They played it up as if, I don't know if they played it up in the sense of this is the first time anybody's kicked out of the 3D, as you know as obviously the Dudley boys called it as a whole. Somebody would have to let me know about that. I don't know if anyone ever kicked out of the 3D, N- knowing how much they protected that finisher. I, I wouldn't be surprised if nobody ever did. But, you know, like I said, that, that was my impression. Is that That's what they were trying to say. So I thought that was excellent. And the, you know, the, the finish with Sammy finally getting his revenge on the bloodline by delivering, you know, multiple halluva kicks, um you know, to, I can't remember if it was Jimmy or Jay, I think it was Jay, and getting that pin. And you could see the emotion on Kevin Owens' face, you know, when they finally did it together as as a team that it meant a lot to him, so, so that was cool to see. But the, yeah, that this was, this was a very good match. I mean, to, to be fair to all four of them. And particularly, you know, there was a face-off between you know, all four of them at one point towards the end where, you know, crowd just went absolutely bananas for them. You know, all face-off, fighting together. That was really cool. This deserved its spark. Like I said, it had its flaws, yes. But this was an end, a really good end to what overall was a very, very good show.
4: So this is my match of the night. I thought it was just a really great match. Really, really great. Love that it was a tag team match at the main event of WrestleMania. I'm the complete opposite to what you used to be Matt. I've always felt like Tag Team matches could main event pay-per-views and potentially WrestleMania given the right story and given the right putting the belts in the on the right plateau for me is 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 the is the key here. Like if you for me there's no reason why the Tag Team titles can't be as prestigious as your main singles world title. Like because it's a different discipline, it's a different type of competition it's not like you can compare the singles wrestler to the tag teams and go well the singles wrestler is better because they're different things they're different competitions They're different types of the sport like in the same way as different weight limits in ufc headline different shows like there's no for me there's no difference It's a similar sort of idea and i, I just love that they managed to get the title those tag team titles to that point where they could Actually, legitimately put it on the main event of WrestleMania and it wouldn't feel out of place. There's it's unfortunate they've not really been able to maintain the tag team titles at that level. I actually think that's a consequence of the fact that the roster, whilst talented in terms of the there's a deep level of talent there, there isn't a deep level of star power in the roster, and I think therefore they've been reticent to spend some of that star power on the tag division because because in doing so, they would be taking more wrestlers out of the potential mix for big singles match main events. So it's a real shame they've not been able to do that. I think had RK Bro, for example, still been active at that time, you may have seen them headlining at some point with Owens and Zayn in, in a pay-per-view match because that would have kind of worked at that level. This is, what, this is the match where I thought Malcolm, Michael Cole's commentary was excellent, actually. I thought his commentary was really, really good during this match. Again, I, I felt like he... He was the one really trying to extract the emotion. So where Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes, Corey Graves, bloody hell, what's going on me? I'm getting old. (laughs) When Corey Graves was kind of picking up the sports aspect of the women's title match here, Michael Cole was just all about the emotion. I think he really extracted it out well. Um, Sami Zayn is so over during this match. Like he comes out and the fans are just so pro Sami Zayn. And and that was the abiding feeling I had from coming out of this match was just I really felt it like completely the opposite to, to old man i really felt every sinew of emotion during this this match and i felt it from the people involved as well there's the moment where jay is shouting at sammy Zayn, i thought you were my brother and all this stuff and i just thought that's just you know we're really playing into this concept that this more than just a kind of tag team feud or more than one person's turned on the other it's arguable that sammy turned on jay and jay turned on sammy at different points in time and both of them were in the right to do so like is just a really cool complex not super complex but for a wrestling complex story of characters doing acting in ways that Makes sense to the viewer as well. Like you understand, even if Jay thought it was the right thing that Sammy didn't hit his friend Kevin Owens with a steel chair and wasn't willing to beat him up as a consequence, that Jay would still, in the end, have to go against Sammy because this is it's his family and it's his twin brother. He's not like gonna like he sort of says in the in the bit in the video or on Raw. Like, you really think I was going to like turn on my family? Like, like it just doesn't, it, it makes less sense. It's the, it's the whole reason why Jimmy turning on Jay makes no sense at all at SummerSlam because it just doesn't make sense. He wouldn't do it, not in that, not at that point, not after everything had happened. So, in this moment, it just felt really, really great. And as you said, like, seeing Sammy and Kevin Owens coming out for the main event of wrestlemania together that's just that is just really cool i've seen them wrestle on like a show in 2005 for chikara on like in a really kind of not even a dingy kind of like bingo hall kind of setting but like just basically like your your basic kind of community center with the lights on because there are no production values at all very early in their career and the fact that they've gone from that to this on this main event is like mm-hmm. incredible. Obviously, the previous year was Kevin Owens' year in, in many respects with his main event with Steve Austin. This was Sammy's year, and they, the fact they both got to do it is absolutely phenomenal. The fact that the users got to do it as well is phenomenal. They talk about the fact that the users could be the best tag team of all time. Certainly, in fact, they say of the modern era. I think there's definitely an argument that they're the best tag team of all time in terms of overall match quality, in terms of success, now also in terms of draw. Like there are. Mm-hmm. Only a handful of tag teams that I've drawn in the way the Usos have. We're talking about the Road Warriors, maybe the Rock and Roll Express, but like it, you're really talking about a handful of them. Like not, there aren't that many. I mean, certainly in North American wrestling anyway, I can't really speak with the same authority about Japanese wrestling. And so, yeah, just, I, I just thought it was a, I thought it was just a really good match. Maybe not quite as good as some. Uh, I've rated it. I've seen the, I was looking at the cage match average rating for this, and I think I had it at 9.13 average rating. I would put it a little bit less than that. But still, best match of the night for me. Magnificent match. One of the great WrestleMania matches, in my view. Um, Really, really good.
2: Isn't it interesting, eh? Mm. I thought this after I watched it the first time, I thought it after I finished watching it yesterday. I was invested in it, and it just missed every mark that I thought would hit. It just didn't do anything for me, because I think, for me, it was such a predictable payoff that was wonderful. It? They worked their asses off and they put together a good match, a really, really good match. But I didn't get any of the emotion that you got thinking like none of it. Mm. Like, I think because there had been such brutal beatdowns done in the lead up to the match, there'd always been a save. So there was always a save. And I thought there was never, and we... To go back to when we've reviewed WCW shows, one of my major criticisms of those was after the main event, there'd be a beat down probably by the NWO and they would absolutely obliterate one, two or three people. And I hate that, but that never happened here. There was always someone who made the save. And because of that, I think I never really bought into the fact that this was going to be anything but the happy ending that people wanted and it it deserved that they had to do the happy ending they absolutely had to because of the way that the story played out but i just didn't get that raw like emotion like the Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn hug on smackdown is absolutely amazing because there is that doubt but it plays out over the course of a week and at no point in that week for memory apart from the bit with the hug is Sami Zayn absolutely obliterated, and I feel like it just missed that he's properly saving him. And because of that, I didn't get yeah, just didn't get the feels
4: that, did, that didn't really impact my viewing of it. But I did think <clears> there was one thing that they missed, and I felt they should have drawn on more. They almost do it right at the start because Jimmy tells Jay to start the match against Sami Zayn. I really felt they should have drawn more on both of their reluctance, maybe to fight one another, or at least. <clears throat> Jay's reluctance, maybe towards the end when Sammy was really fucked and like again, like kicking out of the last moment over and over again. There should have been a moment where Jay was reluctant to give him one more super kick or join Jimmy in one more double super kick. Like they should have drawn upon that because actually still, if you then take the rest of the story that took place afterwards, it still feeds into that. You know the mm-hmm. fact that they could almost be like you were reluctant to to go up against Sammy, and that was another example of you questioning your loyalty to us and all that sort of stuff. So I felt like they missed the trick with that. But that was really for me the thing that I felt they missed was just that that additional cross-team kind of relationship that that they had so well kind of wielded throughout the whole of the Bloodline story through Autumn and Winter of of this year of the year before this. So that is everything on the show. It's time for our scores out of ten, and any other business that we may have missed previously. Let's start with you, Matt.
3: I think this is going to be quite the interesting one, actually. Well, yeah. So again, so my I give my match that I did, but again, Seth, uh, Seth Rollins, Logan Paul, MVP of the night, Logan Paul. In terms of overall number, now I've been going back and forth on this, and I'm I'm about to say a statement, which I gotta be honest, I didn't think that I would be saying, but. I think that this is probably, and in fact, no, do you know what? Not probably. This is one of the best WrestleManias of all time. Of all the ones we've looked at, this stands head and shoulders above all of them, bar one, which for me still remains as WrestleMania 17. I think this is just as good. So I'm going to give it a nine out of ten.
4: Big time, Matt. Big time. Oh, man.
2: Big big time Matt. That's what they call him. So, I'm also very conflicted about this because we obviously went through the card. I thoroughly enjoyed pretty much like the uh, Cedar theory matches is what it is, but I think it's about as good as it could be. The same with the six women tag match. I think the eight man tag, Rollins and Paul are excellent. I think that Dominic and Rey Mysterio is fan-fucking-tastic as my master Knight And as I've said, Dom is my MVP. And then you've got the two main events, and they are undoubtedly tremendous pieces of work, but they don't hit me emotionally. And as I said, I did get a little bit bored towards the end of the tag match. But I can't deny how they progressed these stories. And in terms of like, you look at, and you kind of went through this top to bottom, you've got a tremendously put-together card with storylines, like genuine storylines, and then you've got the showcase match, which you obviously too had a discussion about, that may or may not have got, it wasn't heated. I can't <laughs> even joke about it, it was never heated. But um yeah, like it also needed that sprinkling of mindlessness that was just absolutely bananas and fantastically entertaining just as a standalone thing without really like being of any true consequence and then you've got the anointing of rhea ripley as the female superstar in the company and then you've got the feel-good at the end which we haven't had a lot of in the last few manias that I've watched. There hasn't been that real true feel-good moment, really. Fucking hell, I can't even think. Like, you could, maybe, of the ones that I've done, you could argue Drew McIntyre, but I don't think that that is a real true feel-good moment because, as we discussed on the show, it was us three together, wasn't it? Like, it feels a bit sad and inconsequential because of the setting. So I'm going to give this a 7. No, I'm not. I'm going to give it an 8. (laughs) Because it deserves an eight. Because, like I said, regardless of the emotional connection that I had with the last two matches, they are tremendously put together. And there's a heck of a lot of pre-work that's gone into this show to make pretty much everything mean something. And I think that deserves recognizing as Tinky put far better earlier in the show when he gave old, old trips me old pal, old buddy, old pal, MVP.
4: Yeah, uh, I'm giving this an eight as well. I was close to giving it a nine at one point, but I did. I just felt like there was. I think the the whole Miz Pat McAfee thing let me down a little bit mm. just before the main event. And I don't. I said I didn't. I, as good as I thought the main event was. I didn't think it was quite as good as it needed to be to get it get us there. There are. At least four, possibly five, excellent matches on this. I mean, obviously the Mysterio's, the Rhea Ripley Charlotte Flair, the final match tag team match, the Seth Rollins Logan Paul match, and the Fatal Four Way tag team match are all really, really good. All of them. You know, I didn't, I couldn't. I, there's no, I didn't have a lot of bad to say about any of them. I did think the final two of those matches were the best personally, but. I'm not arguing with anybody giving um, uh, match night honors to other matches at all. The the thing that stood out for me about this, and mo- possibly might slightly change my mind a bit about whether or not Cody should have won WrestleMania 39 night two. And we'll get to that in two weeks' time. Is that this felt like a celebration, like the fans were very similar. I felt the, the atmosphere was very similar to Clash at the Castle in some ways. Mm. Like They just felt like everybody was over. The fans really wanted to enjoy it. There was something that stuck out a little while ago when we were talking on WhatsApp about the whole rock thing and when it looked like it was going to be the rock versus Roman Reigns. And something stood out when Stephen said, oh, I hope the fans shit all over it. And I was like, I was thinking, I hope they don't because I, that would be not very good. But also... He also said he didn't think that that the crowd are like that these days, that there's a different crowd. And I like that there's a different crowd. I like that there's not a crowd who are just willing to shit all over stuff. And don't get me wrong, I was right behind shitting all over what WWE were doing when they were pissing around with Daniel Bryan and, and the authority was around and all the rest of it. But we are... We are experiencing, in my opinion, a, a real rich period of WWE's history in terms of just general creative and their in-ring product, too. I think both of them are coming together right now in a way that we haven't seen you know, them those two things come together since for a very long time. I, re- like I really do genuinely believe that. And so even if there was a misstep... For example, even if we all accepted that The Rock versus Roman Reigns wasn't the match we wanted at WrestleMania 40, for example, and that match was still set to be booked. I don't think that warrants a full on fan revolt. It's just a misstep. It, it's not like you've been doing this all the time. This is fucking shit. Like, stop mucking around. This is this would just be a one off, a bad mistake, but not one that deserves a kind of shitting all over it. And it really told me when I watched this match and saw this crowd. This was a crowd who were just willing to be entertained, who were into everybody. And partially that's because the product's really good. They were they're really into the baby faces. They don't like the heels They're they're responding the way they're supposed to do. They're being cooperative because what they're being provided is engaging. It is interesting. They are emotional about it. And they should be because the stories are being told really well. And the last time WrestleMania felt like such a celebration, in my opinion, was at WrestleMania 17. So Matt, going back to what you said, so WrestleMania 17's always felt like a celebration because it's the party at the end of the, the Monday Night War, arguably the party at the end of the Attitude era as well in some ways. And it's celebratory. There's a, there's a feeling of celebration in the air. And that's what I felt like here. And so that's why I kind of mentioned the Cody thing, because given that atmosphere and given the way it feels, maybe just maybe Stephen was right and Cody should have won. But I won't know until I watch WrestleMania 39 Night (laughs) 2 to see if that that truly is the case. But anyway, 8 out of 10 for me. And that gives our uh, WrestleMania 39 Night 1 fourth place overall in the WrestleManias behind 17, 19 and 30. It also is seventh overall of all the shows we've covered. So it's pretty pretty high. Pretty big, pretty big show, that one. And the only other shows other than those WrestleManias I listened to are ECW One Night Stand 2005, NXT TakeOver Chicago 2 and WWE SummerSlam 2013. They're the only shows that have been higher than the WrestleMania 39 Night 1 that we've covered on this podcast. So, all that's left for me to do is thank our guests, our hosts this week for their contributions. Old man, thank you for your uh, contributions.
2: Thank you. Very thoroughly, I was looking forward to this one and it did not disappoint. You know who else doesn't disappoint? It's the man you've got a right? 10 out of 10. Review, five stars in the 2Q Doom. And remember, don't forget, Ken Patera.
4: Uh, Matt, thank you for joining us as well today. No problem,
2: thoroughly enjoyed it. And yeah, this was
4: WrestleMania
3: where we went
4: Hollywood. This has been the Random Wrestling Review. We'll be covering night two of WrestleMania 39 in two weeks. And then... On to this year's WrestleMania, where we've got, as I said, almost up to the minute coverage of the shows. Not really up to the minute, up to the week. Let's put it that
2: way. Um, Up to the week. See you
4: there.